Hi, welcome to Swordnote Radio. This episode is the last in our Doors campaign, and it was a difficult episode to decide to make and difficult to record, but it was pretty clear that some elements had become problematic, and after several attempts to try and solve it in the plot, it became clear that it probably wasn't ever going to happen. Now, while the campaign wasn't perfect, there was one particular issue that was the sticking point. And it's something that I've heard come up a lot in other people's campaigns, where various character decisions end up creating problems that detract from the enjoyment of other players. And my hope is that when you listen to this episode, you can see how that discussion can be framed so that you don't have to fall out, you don't have to exclude people from the table, and you can learn some lessons that then help you tell better stories in future. This episode is a really long one. Uh, we usually record for about three hours and then split it down into a couple of episodes, but this doesn't really make sense to split down, seeing as it's one freeform discussion. So there's about two and a half hours here. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to Sonnet Radio, and we are wrapping up the Doors campaign. For many reasons, and sitting with me round the table, Eos. Hi, I'm Biddy, and I played Rue and Fosh. Hi, I'm Adam, and I fucked up Gimbal. That sounds messy. That's a a very new kind of autoeroticism. Sorry. I'm Kate, and I played a bear. I'm Dave, and I played a drunk pirate. Cool. Who was also a monk. Uh, I'm Paul, and I failed to kill everyone. Monkey. Monk. Oh, monkey was still time, Paul. There is still time. <laughs> uh, it was an option. Um, so why are we ending the Doors campaign? Um, and the reason is me. I think that what what happened was I was trying to keep it, um, keep it going no matter what, and it was changing beyond what I was really comfortable with. So it got to the point where I was um, purposefully limiting your choices as characters and trying to put you in situations where you had to do various things to try and move it in a direction that I was more comfortable with rather than just say look this is going somewhere and I'm not happy with it um, and just like trying to keep it rolling keep it rolling keep it rolling uh, hey that's our line yeah uh, was was sort of de- was to the detriment of of the role play um what was that? She dropped the baby. Okay. Yeah, the ba- babies are full of rattles. Everyone knows that. So, um, yes, Jace's Jace's player now has a baby. Mm. Indeed. Ah! <laughs> he does that get black parrot, out drunk a lot. Baby. It was probably a surprise baby. <laughs> Jace's player, not Jace. So, in short, um, uh, I think two two things really ended it uh, and made made it not tenable. And the first was that. Whenever we were talking about like how we wanted to run things structurally, I don't think we we really had an idea of how we wanted to, to do things for years and years. But it was just like what made sense at the time. So that was do lots of little things to get some variety, but also have a story you keep coming back to. And I took that to be an ongoing D and D campaign. And I think breaking that ongoing D and D campaign and then coming back to it after a few months or a few weeks or whatever was really not the way it should have been done. I think if you're going to run an ongoing D&D campaign, you should just do that, mm. like open-ended. And if you're going to do other stories, then you don't break your story, you do it on a different night or something, because it's too much for people to keep in their heads. Mm. Um, and so we'd get to, the, we'd get to the point where, like, um, we'd, we'd sit down and literally everyone around the table would be like, uh, what's going on? I have no fucking... <laughs> and that's not, like, anyone's... 
that's not anyone's fault. It's not like you should listen to every episode we ever do. It's but there's, there's because there's a lot of information, there's a lot of density there, yeah. and you've just been <clears> playing three or four different characters, and then come back to this, and it's like, well, what are we doing? I have I listened think- to kittens and mm, kittens. Three times. I am dedicated to this podcast. <laughs> You're dedicated to a kitten and a mech. That's what you are. Yeah. I, th- uh, I think also... Oh, uh, yeah, as, I remember that. Yeah. As, as a player, you... Nuts. Even if you listen to the podcast episode before you do your session, you can kind of remember the events of the previous one, but you don't necessarily remember what was going through your head. Exactly. You don't necessarily yeah. remember why you did what you did. Yeah. So you don't, you, you've got the information, but not the subtext. Yeah. Two and weeks is kind of my experience of the max of... Sort of player mindset maintenance. Hmm. And that's if you're doing really well. <laughs> so character you know. we, we've we've since decided that going forward, what we're going to do is episodic stuff, where we're not going to break up the story. We're going to do five, six, seven, eight weeks, however long it is, of a story of, of like a, a, an actual story arc, beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. and then stop. So we're not going to start doing you know half of this, some of this, one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think. The issue, and I don't want to sort of, sort of say, you know, you're playing your characters wrong or whatever, but it was more like, it was just going in a direction that... You were creeping the Paul the fuck out. There was that. Um, <laughs> essentially, like, it, it was all going, for logical reasons, towards a really nihilistic place. Mm. And I, I was not happy with that. Um, it wasn't something that I would want to go to. Like, Dave does Grimdark, I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm not happy DMing that that sort of game whereas Dave would probably be sort of run with that idea and be better equipped to deal with it um, I didn't like that um, even though it made sense in the story I didn't like like Gimbal's descent into being a sociopath I was trying to I was trying to hopefully try and get you to be the good influence on we, Rue but that, Rue was the bad influence on you yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of my sociopaths play them in one of my games yeah, yeah. We, I, was we, like, I was like okay you've killed a kid and Rue has tried to kill his sister twice now. We need we need some sort of redemption, and we need some way, some way that they're not that they're not evil. And I was sort of hanging on for it and giving an opportunity for it, but it wasn't it wasn't happening. It was just like, oh, okay, this I, isn't going to go that way. I think our problem with that was was the fact that um, Carahad was our moral compass in the yeah. group, and he, he's kind of what kept us on to, to a certain extent on the straight and narrow. Um, and Gimbal was very much like a sponge. He kind of tended to take on the traits that mm. other people had. Um, Gimbal would agree what, with what was going on if it was a strong direction. Yeah. yeah. Rue yeah. Ru wasn't inherently bad. Rue was he, fucking evil. He was no! a terrible, yeah. terrible he was, thing. <laughs> he, was a, he was selfish. Mm. Um, he was uncaring. He was a he, sociopath. He, he, By the he end, had his own I was literally running... I was literally... <laughs> Yaska was literally running away from your character and you, it, 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 Rue couldn't stand it and wouldn't let her leave. Yeah, literally, and that literally, was just the ultimate thing of, well, I'm going to yeah. be evil and you're going to be fucking evil with me. To literally restrain someone so they have to sit and talk with you is not normal. <laughs> Rue was unabashedly evil and if there was someone who would who would be it was a super cute panda yeah and you were still mean to it like, well, no actually I was actually very nice because uh, I went against Rue's better judgement which was to 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 kill you outright actually what, on that particular what, episode what you're describing what you're describing not evil, but I was gonna kill you split personality yeah. <laughs> the, the, the thought yeah. process you're going through here is what you're describing is this is how Real world, mm. not funny. Real world, evil people think about themselves, as in mm. like 
I really wasn't. It's not evil. He's just doing what is, you know, up to his own code and mm. blah, blah, blah. He's, yeah, evil. Fucking evil. I think it's actually... Bring- Baby murdering evil. This brings me nicely onto where I was going to take Rue as a character and as a result what was going to happen, but I think we should possibly leave that until a bit later on. Yeah. Just going to bookmark that one, but... So, uh, I, I don't want to say, like, it's anyone's fault, because it wasn't like you're crowbarring things in that wasn't there. It was These were all personality traits that were, were there. Um, and, like, Kate being random about being a bear also was, there was a lot of subtext to it that she knew, but we didn't have time in the story, because it was like, it was pressure on action rather than character, hmm. so we didn't have time to explore that and have you all finding out what was going on and why it was, so it was easier to dismiss the the antics as antics. Um so um and so I didn't think I could do justice for that and I was like, well, am I gonna make everyone wait and just crash through this story that really you're not you know, engaged with because we're so divorced from the events and the things that have happened so far. We've lost our goal. Exactly. We didn't yeah. know where we were going with it. We were literally just flying by the seat of our pants from one episode to the next. Yeah. So um we do want some closure. Um and I did run a Twitter poll um for uh, various things and that is, that came out with um um most most listeners who were gonna like uh, or people who responded on the poll um were like oh yeah uh, we really want to hear this finished um but quite a lot of them um that uh, quite a lot of them actually just said well I just want some closure on it and that was sort of the consensus around the room is they weren't necessarily wanting to go through the whole thing um, and drag it out but we want to know what, what's going to happen so that is what's going to happen now and we'll go through this little um, the last bit of the adventure and and just spitball like what you would do and don't try and sort of you know go go through it too much it's like you know go with, go with your first thought so we left you um, in, in a tunnel in the back passage <laughs> yeah um, with Presumably Yaska dead. with a rope around her midriff men <laughs> so let's assume that um, somehow you all manage to sort of move on and, and come through. You Bickering have, down the tunnel. Yeah. You would have come into uh, the back entrance. It's dragging me as I'm sat down. Just... Uh, it's sort of semi-natural fissures. You're basically in a lava tube, a defunct lava tube. So you'd have come into um, the main cathedral of the place, which is a huge uh, five-pointed star-shaped chamber with various levels on it. So the bottom level, there's a big um, sort of pit leading down to some magma. There's not going to be magma actually there, but because that would incinerate you all. Um, but there's a big old pit. <clears throat> Think Temple of Doom. Um, magma. Yeah. And... Piping hot magma. Uh, elevated. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about having them floating, but in the end I thought against that. So there's these elevated platforms around that are sort of maybe five or six feet up. And then above all of them in the center is this huge um, sort of five foot deep, uh, five foot circumference um, ceramic pot, big old sealed urn. It's like, you know, closed over the top with like leather over it and all that sort of stuff. Um, And then symbols all around it, just floating in the middle of the room. And nobody there. So um, what what would you have been trying to do at that point? 
Oh, well, that would have took me by surprise, because I would have... I, I was kind of totally expecting there to be a ceremony in the middle of, of happening or something, so... Um, I thought about uh, about dumping you in in the middle of a ceremony. Mm. <clears throat> I thought... Cliché. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's happening exactly as you arrive. Mm. But I thought, that is forcing your hand too much, and D&D is about prep. So it, it, it gives you the option of doing other things and approaching it in some way. Um... So, if we'd done like a, an arcana check or a detect magic, what would have come off the urn? Oh, had you failed in the uh, the skill challenge on the boat, mm. you would have been several days late, and it would have been right on. Um, so, uh, what you'd have found had you checked the place out is that there are different residences in each of these this five pointed star arrangement, um, and then the actual pot itself um, is. Uh, to put it in mechanical terms, is in a sort of anti-magic field and various protections as well. Essentially, you would not have been able to get to it physically in any way. Hmm. Um, what if I jumped? If you'd have jumped, you would have essentially been on the outside of a large invisible column. <laughs> just, and just <laughs> sliding, sliding down towards the hot magma. Yeah, there was, <laughs> I would jump back. <laughs> yeah, but there was a platform in the middle of this magma chamber thing. So the five points of the stars, sort of the, there's walkways leading yeah. you know, to, to this central thing. So it's kind of like a donut, essentially. Um, I'm sorry, did you say donut? Yes. <laughs> I fucking love donuts. You wouldn't have liked this donut. So, um... Jam. So, uh, you'd have probably been able to figure out that each of the shadows sits in one of these points of the star, and essentially something um, is going to happen between the points of the star and the centre and this pot. Okay? Um, Everything around the pot as well would have just been like swimming, so if you're checking the place out, you're just going to be overwhelmed all the time, and it would have been a lot of sort of checks to kind of keep focus. Now, we wouldn't have known this at this point, but it's pretty safe to assume that we uh, the, the pot is full of blood. Yes. Yeah. Um, We'd have had no way to have verified it, though, if we couldn't get near it. Yeah. Because Paul did say it was sealed. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah guarded sealed. by seals? Yep. Yep. No. Seal. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> To be fair, as a bear, you'd have probably gone on a on a a rampage and tried killing them. Yep. So, um, like this teddy bear attacking this fucking great massive elephant seal. (laughs) The options to go to go through would would have boiled down to: um, Do you want to do something in that room that's going to sabotage things? Do you want to go and find people and recruit people? Um, or infiltrate the family that's there. So you've got um, a load of um, of the chosen there. You've got uh, all sorts of gunner. So would you have had, had any interest in finding an NPC and getting them to help you do something or infiltrating in some way? Did we have any way of influencing the column that protected it, as in like nullifying it? Because my I think my first reaction would have been to like cancel that out so it dropped into the magma. Or something I thought like you that. wanted it to spell happen. Yeah. Um, Rue was honestly, genuinely, really conflicted about what he wanted to do, um, which which massively leads on to what would have happened yeah. next. Yeah. See, with Gimbal, I've, I would, I'd literally, I was going to see how it played out as to what where he went. Mm. Um, so, depending on what you say next, could depend on what happened to Gimbal. Yeah. So you wouldn't have been able to manipulate this thing um, at the moment. But there was. It would have been what if a, I pushed it really hard? No. So you, you, <laughs> then it, you would it, just slide backwards. <laughs> um, what if I punched it? You would have gotten the the, the sense that that 
nothing can get to this. But if nothing can get to it now, yeah, then how are they going to do anything with it? So obviously, when the ceremony happens or this thing happens, that is going to have to change. That is going to have to come down. I think. I think my gut reaction would have been to say, right, okay, let's set ourselves up, hide, wait for people to come, and then wait until they're in the middle of this thing and do something to interrupt them. Jump Fireball. in, jump in yeah, the pot. Yeah. Shoot, shoot the pot or, you know, Panda shoot covered the in blood. so they ah. their bit of the ceremony or, you know, <laughs> wait until Tiamat comes out and then, you know, throw a spear or whatever. Blood everywhere. Panda splashing. <laughs> so you wouldn't have wanted to engage with the wider population? I do not want I to engage to the wider population. I, I think, no. I, I, if we'd arrived and it, was, and it was empty, I can't see us being quite happy to just sit. We're, we're not those kind of characters. Yeah. We wouldn't sit quietly and wait for everybody to start. No, the, we, we the would run it and run around and balls it up somehow. Yeah. <laughs> the timeline was going to accommodate your action, so it was going to give you time to do an action, and then I'll put time pressure on once I knew what that action was going to be. Yeah. I just, I, I don't really trust any of the Chosen, basically. The, the, I, in my mind, I would be thinking, well, there's no one out there mm-hmm. to go recruit. So would you have been trying to explore the place? Would you have been trying to get information? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I reckon we probably would have been looking for hiding places, um, places we could, you know, vantage points. Yeah, um, the, the, it bears saying that this this big cathedral thing is not all that's there. There is an absolutely massive warren and a settlement and all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. I imagine that Yaska would probably still be trying to get away at any point possible. So you'd have been trying to get away so yeah. to the party? Yeah. Because okay. uh, that was like my only goal in the tunnel. Well, it depends. If she's trying to get away at any opportunity, have you given her one? <laughs> Not really, because I've still got a rope around your midriff, and the only uh, reason I've got your rope it. around your midriff is because I decided to downgrade downgrade I... to that instead of <laughs> stuffing you in a bag and tying up the top. I would have, I would have my alternative. vetoed it entirely. Really? Because you are what you're doing there is entirely taking away a player agency. You got magical abilities and you being, and being trans- evil. Literally, literally. Mm. If if you would have found a smart ass way around doing it, rocks yeah. fall, everyone dies. Not doing it. Not on my watch. Not happening mm. because it is evil, <laughs> utterly, utterly evil. And you've become the villain. You deserve to die. <laughs> um, there, there's very few ways out of this where Rue was not going to be the villain. He's going to be the big, big bad evil guy. Yeah. So. Evidently, at some point, he would have had to let you go. So you'd have just run away. You wouldn't yeah, have tried to stop him or anything. Classic no, I would try to stop them. Yeah. You can is. all do your own you're, thing. You're your own people. Yeah. I let people do what they want. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I can't what, do Did stuff. he get to come back and replace his role as the big bad? Yeah. Okay, well, as soon as we keep on dancing around this, basically, what was going to happen, depending on which route we went down and whatever, uh, there, were, there were two paths that were going to happen. One was... Um, Rue was going to become full, full blown evil. He was going to completely embrace it. Fuss was going to wink out of it. Full blown evil. Yeah, but well, he was going to embrace his. The thing is, the thing, uh, Fuss basically represented my better self. So when I referred to somebody at some point, I said, you know, how can I talk, talk you around? I think it was, you asked it, how can I talk you around? And I was like, appeal to my better self. I was literally talking about Fuss because he represented the good that was still in me. I was either going to, do the good thing, lose my patronage with my um, patron, and um, thus become a simpleton again, and I was going to then roll up a new character, or I was going to go full-blown evil, Fuss was going to wink out of her existence, In would have come back, so instead of it being Rue first, it would have been Rue In, and I would have been full evil, and at which point I would have rolled up a new character, because I didn't necessarily want to play that character, so yeah. 
Rue's ultimate goal, really, I think, was to find a way to remove himself from being underneath someone else's control. Whether that was ultimately losing it, and he really didn't want to go back to what he wanted, mm. but um, ultimately, he, I think his goal was to become the person who was in charge of him, to get to that level where he was the person so in power and in charge. That is, is to cover under what happens next. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, it doesn't seem like there's, there's much uh, interest in exploring and finding stuff out. If you'd explored a little bit more, there would have been um, a room uh, with an anti-magic field in it with mm. lots of interesting shaped objects in it. And that is... Um, no, but if I got away... Yeah, you might I have found have jumped it. Around I think we probably would have. Ex- I think as part of the exploring thing, if there was another tunnel going off somewhere else, we might have gone. Oh, let's go see what's down there. I did say that. If we'd have got there and there was nothing going on, we would have just stood around and done nothing. So mm. there would have been an option to find out uh, the timetable mm-hmm. of everything going on, and that timetable. Got little printouts. <laughs> yeah, so that timetable uh, would have got you um, like when people were arriving, who was already there, and all that sort of stuff. And, and been on the billboard in the coffee room. Yeah, <laughs> and, and what the overall shape of the ritual would have was going to be, because mm. the chosen would know that um, a certain amount of people were going to be in the room. Um, and a certain number of people were going to be outside, and there was um, a, a sort of a watershed moment. And essentially, what was going to happen is that there were a load of people in the room, but then outside the room, there would have been a mass suicide. So they'd all taken these daggers, and uh, and Perry Winko, yes. So they'd all taken a dagger, plunged it into themselves, and uh, expired to feed this ritual. Um, so the inner circle and all the shadows are going to be in there. So, uh, secrets <clears throat> time, it, does that mean that the, cause we knew that the knives acted like sponges and it, and it did something with the blood. Not yet. Not ah, yet. Not yet. Okay. not yet. okay. So you still wouldn't have known this, yeah. um, at this point. So, um, what then, ha- uh, so if, if you're exploring as well, uh, just because it amuses me for the idea, it probably would have been Yasko found it, would be, um, the room full of, Interesting toys from the multiverse. <gasps> poke, 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 poke. One of them would have, would have been a bazooka, at poke, the very poke, least. Poke, poke. Oops. Uh, That's a reference to uh, our unaired Christmas special, I hope. Uh, that, was, that, that was on the um, Super Secret or some uh, feet No, 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 no. The, the, the one where we did D&D the cartoon. Oh, yeah, D&D the cartoon, yeah. Yeah, because I shot Tiamat up the arse with a bazooka. Mm, yes. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah, one yeah, of my proudest moments. There'd, there'd have been like laser cannons in there. So stuff from sci-fi, stuff from fantasy, stuff from the real world kind pop, of thing. Pop, pop, pop. Um, all contained in this anti-magic field. So you take it out of the room, it starts ticking. So, <laughs> yes, precisely, chaos. In the room, it's all safe. Outside the room, pop, pop, boom. Pop. <laughs> so... Uh, so you'd, you'd have had some stuff, um, you'd have had some knowledge about what was going on, and you'd have known that, um, or you would have clued up very uh, quickly, that all of the shadows were going to come in and take up their positions, mm-hmm. and it was all going to feed into something happening in the middle, something in the middle would happen, and then Tiamat would come back, all right? Mm-hmm. And based on what you had inferred from... Uh, what the Shadow of the Red's plan was being at some point that the Shadow of the Red is going to fuck some shit up. Okay? It's going to do something that interrupts it or modifies the ritual somehow to his advantage. The big question, and I think the only, the only real question um, that I was interested in, is Willow is in that room. Mm. And you become aware, as things go, go on, that their blood is going to get drained. Right? Willow is going to die. Now, that would be the starting setup 
because we would get into a combat. All right. So what would your priorities be in that situation? Is Robert in the room? No. Mine would be to get Willow and then run very far away. Yeah, Robert was a problematic character, um, so that's why I decided to downgrade him a lot. Hmm. So I, di- I didn't want his original thing, because in the original backstory, Robert was Willow's abuser. Yes. And I was like, they're going to appear, you're going to see your family again, I don't want to play that person. So there's like, that didn't happen. It might have been in your backstory, but it didn't happen, because I can't have that person in my story. So That's um, fair enough, I don't... Some things are just too real for roleplay. Yeah. You can have cartoon, you know, things that are like cartoonishly evil or hilarious. You know? Yeah. It's like he could have been... slaughter whole villages, whole towns, whole cities for all I care, but, you know, an individual abuser is far too close to real, exp- yeah. real day-to-day experience for... Robert! Even epic fun all story. Right. Even if he wasn't in it, though, the subtext of that... The subtext was, was, the was, subtext was there, but it was like, it was Rue. It wasn't Yeah. Willow. It's the fact that Rue didn't have his opportunity to exact his revenge and, and conclude that is pretty much what sent him down the dark path that he ended up. He, was, he wasn't that bad up until that point. He wasn't good, but he wasn't terrible. He committed a cold-blooded murder oh, for the sake of convenience. Oh, come on. That ended an entire subplot. Um, the, the, so oh, the, was that Pokemon Barnes, I'm yeah, assuming? Yeah, yeah so, so that guy, but also... To prove yourself to your patron, you burned your family house down thinking you'd murdered everyone. Ah! In fairness... What do you mean, in fairness? In fairness, I was not... No, 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 let me be comfortable for this. In (laughs) fairness, I was not properly uh, in control of my actions at that point, because I didn't have the mental capacity to really understand the consequences of my actions. like a lot of serial killers have said very similar things, and I listen to a lot of my favourite murder, Uh, so I know a lot of what serial killers say. (laughs) I I think at this point I would like to state that um, I, I have done the psychopath test on myself and other people have done it on me and I am quite happy to say that I scored about seven which is yeah, but what average would Rue for score? a normal person it doesn't matter what your Rue, score is Rue, Rue uh, amusingly I, I ran it through as, uh, as Rue seriously and answered all the questions and everything he actually only scored about 16 which is still well below the threshold um, so yeah, it's so still much like more than it should a be. <laughs> so he had some <laughs> pretty worrying evil person. He had some pretty worrying characteristics, but he actually <laughs> genuinely is not a psychopath. So he's evil. He's just not ill. So, so yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, so all, all of those deaths, all of those murders were done by choice. Then yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that that evil. <laughs> I think the most important distinction is how obsessed with business cards is Rue. <laughs> oh, know. but but this one is is, is embossed with gold. <laughs> oh, the eggshell white. Oh God, the eggshell. So, Sorry, so what we're we talking about? Again? Okay, so a what man on the uh, tram tried to mansplain his business card to me. It was really creepy. <laughs> oh dear. So that's, that's your starting situation. <laughs> that's your starting Sorry, situation. Yes, yes. You've got a load of the inner circle um, who are warriors and wizards and whatever, or well, mm. some pe- powerful people um, <clears throat> who are ringing the, um, the, the, the 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 big donut of fire. Uh, you know that this pot is full of blood. Blood is going to power this thing, but also the sort of the energies and essence, life essence of the various shadows has to go. So uh, every time we kill this. someone with one of these knives, are we helping to fuel this eventual r- ritual? You didn't know. I know we didn't know. That's why we're having this session. But I'm not telling you now because oh. I want to know what you would have done. So, um, right. Uh, so you're not saying what you would have done. So, okay, the ritual goes I, on. I, I think I, I wanted to wait until the ceremony was at a crucial moment and then fuck it up somehow, is what I would want to do have done. Are you fucking it up with the aim to bringing Tiamat or stopping him? 
I kind of want to fuck it up in the way that breaks down the barrier that stops us from being uh, stops us at from this being point, part of the rest of the world. There is literally no way that any of you could know how to do that. Because you don't know what's I don't know. I, I've poked a lot of things in that yeah. room. Something might have happened by accident. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, what, so, what, so you wouldn't have been able to make a plan to do something because you don't know what effect your actions would have had. Were, right? were, were there any um, kind of like high-powered um, futuristic sniper rifles in that room? What, in the cathedral? No. It, no, in, in the magic um, things from other worlds kind of thing. It depends, because you didn't go there. Because <laughs> you had no interest in exploring, so... But, whoa, 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 whoa. That's back We're on. not retconning. We're not retconning. We're going how, on for... How, 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 where was it in relation to the main room? Uh, in- somewhere else. It would have been about what you wanted to do as right, okay. So It's right. where I am. Yeah. So I, Right, okay, fair enough. Poke. So... Um, there's building up to a crescendo, and all the people outside are still outside, right? Mm-hmm. They're all still alive. And you know, <laughs> at some point, they're going to top themselves, or something will happen, right? So it's coming up to a crescendo, the, the pot is in play, the, the field is down, it's sort of like it's drifting down, and people are starting to get drained. However, the thing that you notice is that uh, Willow, so there's all these coloured energies, blue, white, green, sort of all coming mm. off, um, so these these coloured energies are coming towards the central mound, not the pot, but the the central uh, island. All right, mm-hmm. uh, and you can see that Willow um, has a flow to and from, and not everyone else does. So there's a visible flow of energy all going to this thing. Willow has one coming from it as well. Okay, so what do you do? Because you know what she wants to do. So, yes, yes, I because we do. established that that she had a way of saving herself. And a way of um, becoming better and not being in this nuke. Yes, I think now is the time, even if we're not aware of this information, to share what it is that Yaskin knew, because we, as far as we, me and Adam are concerned, you knew nothing. Well, the thing we, is, we, Gim- you, no, Gimbal, Gimbal knew that Yaskin knew something, but because Yaskin of the- knows everything, Kate does not. Yeah. <laughs> But because of the because of the way Yaska interacted with everybody and like you know she had this massive knowledge that just like totally fucked her brain to the point where she couldn't express it. No, I did express it exactly correctly. Yeah, uh-huh. you didn't know how to listen. This, this, Again, this wasn't the Penny case. Fucking mecha's you, you, you guys wanted absolute clarity for uh, of exposition. You wanted me to tell you X, Y, and Z. This is what this is, and this is what it means, so you can make an informed decision. You don't get perfect information. That's that's role playing. If if you're if you're playing like um, you know a board game or something, you get perfect information. This you don't. Penny Mecker's Rocket. Everything that person said was planned. I will say that I couldn't understand what she was saying. Not not I couldn't understand what she meant. It was I couldn't understand a fucking word. Yeah. But in Hence character, the, in, character in character, you didn't try to. Mm. You just said, I don't get it, fuck off. Yeah. You just kept asking, like, you ask her the same thing again and again, and well, you got the same answer because you were asking oh, the same no, sorry, thing. You say in character, we asked her to repeat herself. She repeated herself. So that we understood. And she was just like, eh, no, well, you're too fucking stupid. I'm not going to bother. No, like, I repeated well, it every you. single time. Be. Every I, I single no, time. No, I was talking about petting fucking... Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Helicopter. No, your character's capacity for actually listening. I, I like Full of Cold was, Adam. Uh, Full of Cold Adam is aggressive yeah. and irritable. It's fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it was kind of um, 
if, if the will like, and, and I think Gimbal was very much set up this way is like I will go with whatever makes the most sense to me whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing yeah. um, and so if, you've, if, if you're a person who is quite wise and understands people and comes up against these people and you understand they are not all fucking there and maybe good or maybe bad maybe wanting to destroy the world or not you don't give them every single piece of information absolutely spelled out. You try and lead them to something themselves. You don't say, you need to do this because of this. Because who the hell ever does that ever in any sense, in anything ever? If you go, this is the most optimal thing you can do with your life, do you do that? No. No. What if someone do- tells you what your problem is, you don't listen to them. You have what to come you- to it yourself. So what you generally do in that situation is you give them enough information to point them in the direction you want them to go. Uh, yeah, Which, I think that was it, the problem at the, the end style of campaign. I mean, mm. yeah, I, I, I think I at the end of these encounters, I just wanted not evil. That's all I wanted. Yeah. I think I think the end of these encounters and like with with Yasker and stuff like that, I got to the end of it and I was just like, oh, I don't really feel like I know anything new that I didn't know already, and what I do now know doesn't make any sense or give me any sense of direction. Okay, as a result, Yasker think, knew yeah. that um, Willow mm. had an out, and that was to become a dragon. That brain could have held her mind, and she would have been compassmental. So she doesn't. She she stops being a savant and starts being a whole person again. Hmm. And that's what she was wanting to do. So that's what was going on. Yaska would have known that this was a process. This is her out. This is her way of becoming this thing. That's why you had to not kill your sister. You've- <laughs> yeah. Rue well, Rue is. Although he, he, he makes questionable decisions about things, he is ultimately quite a reasonable person. No. Nope. No, no, he no, is. No, no. If, if you put no, a reasonable argument no. across to you him... You tied would... a panda bear up and yeah. dragged it with you because it didn't want to be evil with because you. That's not you reasonable. Were... Because reasonable you... people don't kill people because it's expedient. No, okay. no, no. The, yeah, you, would, you wouldn't have thought, well, I could kill her, but I'm not going to tie her up instead. That's not what the same person thinks. Would kill the fuck out of tons of people. Yeah. The reason That's the thing is, reason does not equal good. Yeah, you can reason have, yeah, equals you have many reasons. Expedient. Yeah. A the reason, reason is also I, not an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> reason I tied Yasker up was because you were basically, we were trying to have a three-way You've conversation. You tied her up because you were evil. No. There's no we in that I didn't want to have through that. Yasker didn't want to have that three-way conversation. But, but, uh, but as a result of that, by not wanting to have the three-way conversation Rockfall, and come to some knows. kind of like yeah. mutually Mutual plan that we could act on. No, you can. No, just decided you made, to. You're allowed to have conflict. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You decided it was to a do really your own good thing. Episode. So I had to do something to stop you from what I saw as being against our aims. But you so, didn't have any aims. Is the problem? Yeah, because we were trying to get to something, but we couldn't get to something if you did something before we even had that opportunity. But you didn't so. give. You didn't give. I keep saying me. You didn't give Yasuka a reason to not do it. Yeah. At that point, the only thing that she could do was run off and do her own you, thing. You literally said, maybe destroying the world isn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Having a conversation. And, and no! no! <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> if, if, I, if I say to you, like, and, and you believe me, like, absolutely serious, as in we are having a conversation, you think this is something that's going to happen, mm. but I say, well, why shouldn't we just... Kill, kill these druggies because they're going to break into someone's house anyway. What? That is not a conversation that happens. What? That is, that is not, you don't yeah, hear yeah. someone out. <laughs> but what you do at that point is you go, no, and here's why. You don't go, no, and then run away without. No, or. this is this is agency. Yeah, you this not, a person is allowed to go no and just leave yeah, at any point. Exactly. <laughs> or you say no and go. Do you know what? 
Um, fair enough. And you leave the room and yeah. you call the police. Or you knock <laughs> you them the fuck out. Slowly. <laughs> the thing you have to remember about Rue is, is the fact that though, prior to um, becoming smart, he didn't really have any kind of morals to speak oh, of. You. He wasn't really intelligent enough to have morals. Everyone else around him had morals for You don't have him. to be smart to have morals. He didn't really do anything other than what like other people said and did, and he went off other people's examples. So when he got then intelligence stuff, he didn't really have the the moral basis that other people have. So when he was doing things, he was just doing it because, well, why can't you do that? So at any point, people could have stepped in and gone, so, this, this is, is not why a, this you can't is not a that. criticism yeah. of your character, because I, I, I loved your character, but yeah. he's a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. That, that that is the description of a sociopath. Yeah, I think I think I'm. Too I mean, I love to the- him. He's complex. Yeah. He's interesting. He's dark. He's sort of ruthlessly engaging with the world in a wonderful way. But if you ever met him, but in he real is life, a sociopath. You would punch oh, that God. motherfucker out and call the police. I mean, to I'm be, f- say, to be fair, if I ever met him in real life, I'd probably marry him. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does he have his own chainsaw? Okay, so. Um, so this thing's going on. Um, there's a ritual going on. We're just going to crash through this. The ritual is right, going okay, on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so you have this thing of, uh, Willow is going to start changing. At this point as well, um, if you're just waiting, this is just going to keep going on. Mm. And, um, very close to this point, there's going to be the mass suicide. If you just started acting, all hell would have broken loose and everyone's starting to, to, you know, come in and uh, you get swarmed essentially. And at that point, I'm still a panda starts, bear, though. Yeah, at that would point, they when not it starts, know to? Would, would we they know just think, the, oh look, a panda, and they fucking kill it because they're religious uh, sellers? They'll tear everything. Would we know that the mass like suicide was about to no. Yes, they do something unusual. Yes. Like elect- uh, I thought we wouldn't because if we had, if you just board. if you just stayed in that room, yeah, you wouldn't have known that. And it would have happened. Um, if, however, it turned into this huge combat, at that point, all of your alternate personalities, or your level 15 characters, would have come out <gasps> of you. Exceptional Meredith! Yes. yes. They would have physically appeared from your bodies. Hmm. And then that starts being like, you guys are doing um, you know, rounds worth of combat. Or, 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 I love um, Exceptional Meredith. So you're either doing combat or you're doing tasks or you're doing something, but it's it's going to be turn-based. But at the end of every turn, one person gets to describe what epic fucking thing their their past life person is doing. I I, I think now I'm saying this out loud, y- you might have a point in that I think Rue probably would have waited to interrupt the ceremony after the mass suicide, thus meaning there were less of the cultists to deal with later. Because one of the options is <laughs> yeah. save everybody. I'm, I'm hearing it now. Nothing I like, happens. I like that that's the thing that makes you realise there yeah. is I'm, nothing else. I'm just hearing it now. I'm sorry, yeah, fair the, the sane option was to try to infiltrate the group, make sure, or infiltrate the, the family, make sure nothing happens, nobody dies, and you get to approach the problem of Tiamat coming back at leisure. Yeah. Um, so you stop the family, you stop and the, the shadows. Shine your, your shiny, shiny armor. Yeah. You've got, you've got a thing that's ready to go. White horse. Uh, you've got a portal that's ready to make or whatever, and it's your choice at leisure of what you do. There is a non-combat option. Can I jump through the portal? There's not a portal open yet. Yeah, oh. I'll fill that, please. So, um, away from the expensive equipment. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't pour it over the three hundred pound <laughs> piece of kit. Come on, where's your sense of excitement and so, adventure? As the crescendo builds, we killed it. If you, if, so there, there is a couple of things that you might want to do, and one of those things is all of your high level characters, but they're dealing with the wider situation and with all these um, 
sort of highly trained warriors and whatever, they're dealing with that situation being epic. Your characters are trying to put a spanner in the works, and one of those ways is to kill the shadows. Yes, okay? Jace is still being dead. Jace is still being dead. Um, Spot just in the corner. <laughs> okay. Have been dragging did, did you been dragging his corpse around with you? I don't know. Rue seems to be into dragging just, just stuff around. You can't so. tell if I'm just really, really dead drunk or just dead. <laughs> okay. You've so, not started rotting yet because of the amount of pure alcohol <laughs> in your system. <laughs> you have pickled yourself like Keith Richards. <laughs> okay. So uh, reveal number one is that Bleak is the new Shadow of the Black. Ooh. Well, he was dead. He was mostly dead. Getting <laughs> <laughs> better. Was it his just body, his little finger was still going? Yeah, he was turned in. He was turned into powder, but his body was taken by the blue, and you didn't see what happened to it. You didn't see him in the ground. I put dirt in his mouth and everything. Yeah, he woke up with a cough. <laughs> <laughs> so he would. So he. Yeah, basically that was that. And I was like, I was looking for an opportunity to bring him back, but I thought just at the end it was fine. Mm. So um, one of the op- other options was that he. Um, if I, if 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 Mike hadn't passed me the note saying kill Bleak, mm. um, Bleak would have gone off and become uh, an evil bad guy, terrorising everything, being a feral orc type thing. Mm. So, um, so Bleak is the new black, and um, the green. I'm still wearing black. <clears throat> um, starts turning into a dragon. So um, Willow starts turning into a dragon very visibly, but at that point the red starts to move. Okay, and the red is moving. He's coming in and um, starting to do various things. So, is it like a, a sexy dance kind of yeah. move? So that's the threshold of what of what's going on, right? Then Tiamat starts coming through. That's not sexy. The, the red comes in and he pulls a stopper out of the um, the uh, the thing. The, Cast the shatter. Uh, I think I think bef- as Tiamat starts to come through and the red starts to make his move and stuff, bef- as he's getting to the pot, I think whatever the most powerful, most destructive thing I could have done to the pot is what I would have done, which I think can is probably I, shatter. Can, can, can I, at that point, leap in a, an epic, like, thriller-style slow motion and land on his face? And, no! I've just got kung fu ah! yeah? <laughs> so you No, no, and... So you would try to the, the red, Mister. Yes. Yeah, red. So, uh, so you're going to stop him pulling the stopper out, yes. and you're going to try and burst the thing. What, what, what would Gimbal be wanting to do at this point? At this point, um, Gimbal would probably actually be um, thinking about shooting Rue in the back of the head. <gasps> nice. Really. Yep. That How was... will you ever kiss? I thought we were buddies, man. <laughs> we were, but... <laughs> You're trying to destroy the planet. <laughs> well, no. No. Gimbal what? was sick and tired of nobody basically being honest with him. Um, it's like, oh yeah, Yaska's very honest. Not speaking a word of sense. So, um, but, so, that, so, you didn't... No, no. no that, that, lots of sense. Would, would you no, have... No, would no you, listening. Would you Talking have in riddles is not sense. It wasn't in what? riddles. Would you have given him the option or would you just shot him? Would you just like, go, don't do it, kind of thing? No, I, I'm thinking... But basically, by this point, everything that's gone on, um, Gimbal isn't happy about any of it. And throughout all of this, he's basically seen Rue, who's supposed to be his best friend, not giving him any of the information... Gimbal didn't even know he had a fucking sister anymore, for fuck's sake. Uh, didn't know what the, what the whole backstory was. Um, didn't know what Rue, uh, what Rue's patron was and why what it was yeah. all about, even after having sat yeah, him down and giving him a chance to explain. Well, he didn't, in fairness, I didn't either, though. We're going ahead. Right. Yeah. Okay, so. so, after all that, basically, Gimbal was a bit sick and tired of it, and he's realised that at this point, his um, his own goals have gone out the window. Um, he doesn't like the person he's become. Mm. Um, 
and he's blaming murder, it all suicide, on... murder, suicide, murder, suicide. He's blaming it all on Rue. So at this point, he's just he's just thought, let's put an end Don't to it kiss. and just uh... okay. Yeah, so back. that's yeah, that's impossible to predict because that would that would have come down to dice rolls. So well, to be honest, that was a little bit how it was going to play out, depending on what was going on. Rolling a die. Okay, scene. No, so, we've no, got a no. sta- so we've got a Mexican standoff, and we've got um, uh, a panda on someone's uh, I'll tell you what, yeah. no, no actual mechanics here, but because we don't know how that would have gone off because it was a dice roll, shall we just do a die and see which direction? Rock, paper, scissors. That's the three. Or- oh God! Ladies and gentlemen, for the murder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Both rocks. Round two. Ding ding. Ah, paper! <laughs> okay, so Rue wins. Um, Rue gets to cast Shatter. So um, let's assume that, that Shatter works. Goes uh, off, it goes off. It would have been before, a bit more complicated than that, but yeah. Just before All g- social combat should be should be resolved with the rock, paper, scissors from now on. Uh, no, it shouldn't because there's an algorithm. So <laughs> uh, Rue casts Shatter just before Gimbal loses his arrow. So Gimbal's thrown off balance. The arrow goes... Th- past Ruse. Yeah, so um, at that point, what we've got is that the, the thing is whole. Oh, slices past my face. It doesn't go towards... Cool it doesn't go Sorry, towards go what the Red is wanting to do, yeah. which um, ex- the, what the Red is wanting to do is exclude himself from the summoning circle of Tiamat, right? So Tiamat starts coming through. Essentially, what if, if nothing happened, Tiamat starts coming through. The Red is kind of exempted from it as it were and but there's not enough energy to bring her through entirely because one of the points is missing the red is not there right so he then um spills tiamat's blood he's no got, got no he's knife. busy fighting the panda if nothing happened no. if you weren't there but i am there if you were late i am so, there so uh so what he was going to do is, is spill tiamat's blood mm. take it onto himself he's prepared himself for it it what he thinks is it's going to turn him into a god what it actually does is shatter all of the portals that would ever go into form on this on this world, and it's just chaos everywhere. It's like literally there are portals roving around the countryside, just moving around and depositing random things and taking parts of the world and putting them in other places. A pony. So they had nothing yes. to do with the blood then. <clears throat> yes, it had everything to do with the blood. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll explain what the blood was going on. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that's what happened. That's if we hadn't been there. That's if okay. you hadn't been there because you were there. And so the red. Sorry. Let's say you're successful in in deflecting the the red and whatever, which means and no one's no one's trying to interfere with the other the other shadows. So Willow becomes a green dragon and starts busting out and doing things. Um, however, it all looks hunky-dory, but Rue casts Shatter oh, fuck. on the big pot. Yes. Um, now, that opens um, a huge tear, and that is everything fades to black. Uh-huh. You wake up with a massive headache in a city that seems to stretch off infinitely on the other side and then loop over the top. We're in Halo! And then, uh, oh, I thought we were in Inception. <laughs> and you start seeing um, weird creatures from from some of your travels. A pony, many ponies, unicorns, demons. The same sort of demon that killed Bleak, just wandering mm-hmm. past, just like looks at you and then walks past. Um, you get uh, you know tieflings and unicorns and uh, thugs and talking dogs and yes bears <gasps> literally wearing everything. hats I, I was planning to write a the very detailed <laughs> write a, a very detailed speech of what this was right <laughs> Bartholomew Ormond just walks down the street <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then Penny Neckersprocket turns up and goes fancy seeing you here right 
And what it is, is that you end up in sigil. Because you have shattered the port, you've made the most powerful portal you can, and it pulls you into Sigil, which is the city of doors, the center of the D&D multiverse. Um, it sits in all the middle of planes. It's not in a prime material universe. It is its own thing. And it is a Taurus. It's on the inside of a Taurus, like Halo, um, atop a thousand mile high spire, um, at the very center of the multiverse. And if it's a place where, um, well, the center of the planescape setting. So, uh, if you walk through the wrong door or, you know, um, think something while going through a door you've been through many times, it can, it can become a portal. You need a key to open a portal, right? That's how that works. Uh, and that would have been end of story season two. Right. So you're all deposited there. And if you wanted to leave your characters and come back with new characters, then, then, okay, you, you might not have made the trip, that sort of stuff. Or you got there and decided mm-hmm. to fuck off. So. And what would have been, the other iteration where we were there to interfere, but we didn't shatter the pot, and we let Tiamat come through. So, in, in literally, so in the case of Gimbal's arrow went off first. Yeah. So, what happened if if, oh. if Gimbal had shot me in the back of the head and stopped me from being able to shatter the pot? Then um, the red, uh, well, the red was going to be stopped by that. Uh, Willow saves the day. Essentially, Willow stops it all happening. Mm-hmm. Because I told you you shouldn't kill your sister. She's become a dragon. <laughs> she's got access to her full potential. And um, she's got the energy that she's been siphoning off of this ritual. Mm. Um, and so the red's out, the green is half out, and then she starts turning it in on itself because she is the person who is smart enough to do that. So she inverts the ritual, Tiamat goes away, we figure something else out. And would that have meant that the world would have stayed a pocket reality, essentially? No. And we'll go through that. Sorry. Um, But then it it was all a case of um, there was a lot of stuff that you would have had to deal with on your world or you could have chosen to go somewhere else. And it was whether you're going to follow Gimbal's story to try and find his family and go with him or whether you're going to stay and sort out your mess, which was you had, by ignoring the plot, caused a war. So there was that. So... um, what questions do you want to ask of me about the world and the plot and the characters and that sort of stuff? All right. So, yeah, what were the knives about them? Okay, the daggers uh, were not sponges. They were um, transporters. Right. So um, what they did was filter the pure the dragon scanning. blood out of the normal blood. Mm. Um, hence, some blood would disappear or whatever. Um, but it wasn't absorbing into the dagger. It was being transported to the inside of the pot. Right, okay. And some of them would siphon off a bit for the pot. Some of them siphon off a bit for um, a, a secret um, stash for Shadow of the Green, which is something they alluded to uh, in your, your your talk with Gareth Goulden. Hmm. I hate a Gareth Goulden. So on the mass suicide, the pot fills up. So who was Gareth Goulden then? So every time you used the, use those daggers, you were fueling the thing. Hmm. So who was Gareth then? Absolutely. Gareth Goulden was um, actually... Bargle the Wizard from the basic edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons games, um, you know, uh, the red box and all that sort of stuff, uh, which I believe you two played in games with where Bargle was a character. Uh, you definitely did. The game that we played on Roll20. Yes. The the castle that you were going into, that's Bargle's castle. It's yes, Bargle who was the, uh, uh, killed this person, whatever. And that was him. The reason he wasn't there is because he just started his journey into the multiverse. Right. Um, and so he was a plane, he was a plane, a traveler. He was traveling the D&D multiverse and he ended up on this world and couldn't get back. 
So hence, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, when we were playing, we were playing a game, uh, in Fab Cafe, mm. you're finding notes from yourself in the future. Yeah. yeah. That were sort of, this might be useful or whatever. That was Bargle leaving them there from your future selves, having co-opted you. And like, and you were still in that game trying to get dragon's blood or something like that. You'd found, uh, you found someone who had like, um, a little stuffed toy, stuffed bear with vials in the back. <laughs> mm. And you went and you found a white dragon and all sorts of stuff. Um, and when you started, it had a vial of dragon's blood in it, essentially. And when you started playing with it, you ended up opening the portal. You could sort of put your hand through it or, you know, whatever. Didn't explore it that much because I, I dumped a cave on you. But, um, uh, the, the idea was that Bargle is trying to travel the planes and dragon's blood, um, helps do that. It doesn't open portals. It just sort of, um, wedges them open in the ways. It basically, uh, dragon's blood is magical potential concentrated magical potential so anything that's happening there'll be more of it happening with it and in the world that you're in specifically yeah it's all very tied together but it used to have magic in there and then it didn't hmm. and what that means is it was part of the D multiverse and then it wasn't so i told you all it was, it was to do with the the legend of the swords mm-hmm. um so the legend of the swords two brothers concentrate all of the, the, the leftover magic in in the world near enough into two swords they have a big fight and they fuck shit up that fight happened in the center of kotev because there is a massive hole in kotev where there is now a sea and a volcano this volcano is new uh or newish uh, and basically they destroyed everything there super volcano bang and uh, what you saw is the King's Dyke and the magical barrier around it oh. was something that erected to contain the magic inside that area for that kingdom, but also contain that explosion and, and the, the cataclysm that happened. Um, and is it that event that cut off this world to the rest of the mountain? Yes. So it drained all the magical potential out of the world mm. and um, drew it sort of out of the D&D multiverse. And so you've got like a vacuum around that world essentially so imagine that world has become like a little black hole and it's now drawing the multiverse back towards it yeah. it's, got, it's got that that draw towards it so um they can't get to it but you need some more energy to get you there now you could sort of drill through maybe if you're powerful enough or lucky or whatever or unlucky and find yourself there and that's what gareth slash bargle did um if you had a spell jamming helm you could just fly there which is what gimbal's family did when you have dragon's blood coming out it opens little tiny micro portals to other planes so um when things were growing and so you had the the, the insects became huge mm-hmm. that's because it was drawing positive uh, energy from the positive material plane when you had undead things happening and stuff like that that it was because it was drawing energy from the negative material plane when you had people coming through they were there for a, a flash of a second and then they were gone because bringing physical things is hard and bringing energy and objects is easy all right so the energy can stick around the objects can stick around forever but people and all that that's difficult if you've got a soul it's difficult right um hence a bear appears out of nowhere fucks some shit up in the castle and then disappears again not that bear and was it an owl? I am a fan of all bears. So, um, so uh, a lot of the stuff that Willow was doing, the experiments she was doing, were about trying to get things to stay. So, anchoring things with things that was were still native. So, the shark and bear, for example, was anchoring the negative um, negative energy to making it undead. But it was all animals from your world to anchor that energy. The cat lady was. Um, Essentially, yeah. from um, there's, there's a, a plane of beasts. Essentially, there's like a, 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 a plane that's like endless jungle and beasts and things like that. And it was anchoring that, you know, that 
uh, gestalt energy into this person. And what it did was just uh, attract a load of cats from this world, and they just became bound up with that otherworldly energy and that woman inside it. Um, the tree, um, again, there's there's another plane that has to do with that there's in your dreams for example so um the the the, the planar relationships in the D multiverse without going into it in detail um some are further away than others and the demiplane of dreams is right on top of yours as is the feywild and the shadow um so they sit very close to it all right so uh, so whenever blood was spilled these little portals would open up of their own accord so willow was doing it with blood um and, and trying to mod- modify things and make things happen that way. Okay. I want to know, going around the table, might as well start with Dave, your character, Jace, mm. what was there about him that we didn't know or Paul knew and you, uh, and Paul and you knew or something? You know, what was there very, about Very, very little. He was pretty much When exactly I met you was. guys, I thought I was just rocking up to a pub, drinking a few pints and playing some D&D with some guys that knew a guy because I hadn't played D&D in a while. And so I... Banged together a character in like fifteen minutes. Yep, and then ended up playing him on a podcast, and I was like, "Oh, okay, uh, right." I can't. Well, I, thought, I thought your your past life character was really cool. Oh yeah, that, that like got the top put into it. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was this um, sort of indeterminate species guy with all these tattoos and just just no no hair left he, you know sort of whatever he'd used to keep himself from aging because he was nearly aged uh didn't work on any of his hair so his, his entire body was hairless and feeling the lack he just he just ta- had tattoos layered upon himself recalling his deeds because he's the guy we he'd met been alive so long that he would forget them is this the guy we met in the, the cave of the tomb of horrors uh, no 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 that, that was just Grigor that's oh, okay. another D&D yeah. character that I've had now that was when we fought the Vorpal Bunny oh so, okay what was what was we never really and he had a sentient um <coughs> falchion that he was constantly arguing with so what's, what was Jaska's thing because I don't know this either Jaska wasn't a person that could turn into a bear many bears Jaska was a bear that could turn into a person <laughs> right okay <laughs> Makes a tiny bit more sense now. <laughs> so how did this come about? She was a druid. There was a bear. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bear. Just yeah. happened to be a bear with magical abilities. Yeah. You just happened to be a person with magical abilities. That's not judge. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so, there was a ritual. They were naked, you know, dryads. Bears. <laughs> Uh, for, from know, some what, of their what extra work, magical energy accidentally splurted all over. Yeah, there. from what would work in canon is that, that there was a bear who maybe lived within um, the area covered by a fungal mycelium, which was how the dragons that used to live in this world survived. Mm. They put their spirits into these fungal myceliums that would live for ten thousand years and all that. So, um, so some that where you got that idea from? <laughs> okay, so what? How how did you know about Willow then, and what she was all about? Talk to her. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of got dragged into the plot by accident when I was off being a people. Yeah, and she you know, literally was friends with and, Willow. And yeah, that's why my ultimate goal was to save Willow all the time, all the time. I wasn't. Yeah, the world. So, at what point fine, did you speak the really words? Willow is my Willow. friend. Yeah. Didn't. I don't, you exactly. Don't, you don't need to speak the words, this person is my friend, to be friends with someone, Adam. No, I know that, but when you're trying to explain to a couple of mass murderers why we shouldn't kill her, <laughs> it kind of helps. helps. Yeah, it helps. 
I really don't, considering that she was his <laughs> sister, I don't think the words Willow is my friend would have made fuck all difference. Yeah. yeah. She was his sister. Yeah. Me being uh, friends not, with someone is not going to score higher than someone being his wouldn't, sister. Wouldn't have made a difference to him. Yeah. Could have made a difference to Gimbal. You, you weren't trying to kill her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if you want to, if you want to stop someone who's supposed to be my best friend, you, probably a good idea to get him on side. But also, By this, that this point, that you did is... not have a good <laughs> if, if, ev- if everyone, room. If everyone in every drama that ever happened like, explained, together, yeah, yeah. Yeah. explained everything to, to yeah. each other all the time, there would be no drama and everyone would just go, oh, right, okay, well, maybe we should do this. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay, fine, that's fine. And there'd be I no al- conflict. She always no drama. told you exactly what you asked. Mm. But she didn't volunteer information because like, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you've yeah. got, if you've got like a, um, and it always happens in these TV series, like supernatural TV series, there is always a creepy child who knows something, <laughs> who, who knows, and no one ever sits them down and just goes, "Do you want to just draw me a diagram?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never ever asked me to completely just run through everything you know. No, what's this? What's this? What this? And I answered that. Yeah. yeah. You just asked the wrong question <laughs> and then didn't listen to the answers because they weren't the answers that you wanted. No, no, we, we listened to the answers. We didn't understand them. Mm. So uh, the deal with Pen and Meckersprocket, uh, what Pen and Meckersprocket says... I would like Pen and Meckersprocket to have her own film. I would like all about her life. Pen and Meckersprocket <laughs> I'm all said, about Pen and Meckersprocket. Uh, so Pen and Meckersprocket said to you, hey there, cutters. Yeah. Um, cutter is a term from... Is, is a, Sigil has its own like patois. So, um, it's in D&D law, it has its own slang and dialect and all that. So, cutter is like a general honorific. It's like saying, right, blokes, right, chaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. It's, it's, it's something that's not an insult and isn't uh, a compliment. Um, and she was talking about, um, a jink as well. So, you know, she was showing you, you know, she want, you wanted to buy this bird thing that she had. Um, so she asked you for some jink and jink is gold coin. One of the things that would have happened when you arrived in Sigil is like you thought you were fairly rich because you had a load of money on you. That was silver and it's worth fuck all. <laughs> so you'd have had to, you know, had to start, you know, stop sweeping you'd have out. Have to paint it gold. Yeah, unblocking toilets for a living. You know what I mean? Um, so that was going on with Penin. She was a god level adventurer. So she's like level thirty adventurer. Level twenty is the highest. See, you can go in my D&D. head, she's level thirty. I I knew Penin Mechasprocket, but I couldn't tell you why. You might have done. Yeah. She got around a bit. Yeah. So Penin um, was also a plane of Shadow. She got bored. Well, that's why you could talk. She got bored one night in the forest. And I had a conversation. There's a bear. Penin was also the greatest fan of um, Elden Love Flute from How We Roll. Oh, so she was always trying to find Dear this Jesus known God. bard to be the groupie. But every time she tried to teleport to his location, she would come to the world that you were in, which is why you met her a couple of times, right? Oh, her. Yeah. Um, so one of the things about uh, Penin is um, that was an opportunity for you to sort of, if you wanted to go, oh shit, and, and follow the, the shiny thing, you could have done that. And um, if you'd have been more about like trying to say, no, 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 wait, no, 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 wait here and tell us this thing, and probably been a bit more friendly <laughs> rather than like, how dare you make no sense. Um, <laughs> then it was generally the attitude to when the answers weren't exactly what they wanted. Ah, fuck you then. Penin would have been able to understand the context of the overarching story. Uh, and especially once Tiamat got mentioned, she would have known um, Gareth Goulden. She'd have known him uh, as Bargle because um, they both get around. And uh, she would have known all about Tiamat and the Blood War, which is the thing that you were getting into. It's a problem with annoying NPCs. 
Sometimes they have the information needed. Yeah. So fucking annoying. Oh, I loved her. I thought she was great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, a great um, idea for a character, but like I said, couldn't understand a fucking word. I joked at the time, I said, can I do a language check? And I was like, no, no, you understand her. I was like, no, can I personally do a <laughs> yeah. language check? Because I, I can't understand what I she's saying. I don't know saying. if it's because I was listening to it on the podcast, because I wasn't here at that yeah. point, but I... I followed it. I, I was no, there just going, yep. It was the first time when you're trying was, to stay in character it's different how in easy person, it is. Yeah. Like, a big chunk of your brain is taken up with imagining the world and another chunk of your brain is, imag- is, is playing the character. The bit of your brain left to actually follow the plot is quite small. You get better at it as you go along, but it's a learned skill. Yeah. It's like, it was when we were playing in the studio and I played with um, that Call of Cthulhu game. When Joe was DMing and you were, was with you and you and Kate. Yeah. Um, can't remember your character. Uncle Timothy's will, yeah, yeah. I was like, when the fuck did the, the bit of my brain that I could devote to actually like doing plotty RPG you things. Remember to take the firing pin out of a Actually shotgun. happen. Like, you know, it used to just be I could sort of imagine the world and imagine my character and that was it. And my brain just. You know yeah. what? What if we were doing five minutes? Or I have no fucking idea. Mm. So there's there's a thing in in D and D and role playing generally, which like. We're not even in role playing generally. If we if we were playing Dresden Files, or if we were playing a mystery based game, we call it Cthulhu, and you met someone who was this confusing, you'd have gone, "How do I understand this? This is obviously a mystery that's put in front of me. I must understand this." Because D and D is, I hit it with my axe, and so <laughs> there's no reason that should be the case. So because Penin wasn't immediately clear, it was, "I've got no time for this." If you'd have gone, to this be person, fair, I can't understand this person, you know- but. I was going to say, come out of nowhere. I, w- I will have to point something out here. One, it was relatively early in our campaign. It was the first time we'd ever even heard of her, and we had another sense of urgency about the whole thing. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So, so priorities, hard choices. Yeah, yeah. Which so it could, it could have gone one way, and it could have gone another, and, it, and it, it, it went the way it did. And I don't think you lost much out of it, but it could have been a very different campaign. Mm. And it's why some people, when they play D and D, don't role play very much, is because there's so much to engage with. Aside from playing a character, yeah, especially if, if you, you leave the character side and the you know the, the banter and the in character stuff aside, you have more time and energy to devote to to investigating yeah. plotty bits. Mm. So the the things that were tied not not to Penin but um, uh, to the Blood War, which is just Easter eggs. I wasn't going to get you into. It. It's going to be like as we get past gimbal story and you're in sigil you might hear about the blood war the blood war is like the war between the two levels of hell the demons and the devils the lawful evil and chaotic evil um so it, it's the devils trying to keep the demons at bay essentially which is which uh the devils are the lawful ones right and there's less of them but they're more organized the demons are just chaos personified so the business evil yeah oh sorry <laughs> the blood war the, cool. the devils Brothers and the demons oh, so, right. okay. uh, the batazoo and Sorry, when would the Blood War even come into the campaign? The Blood War has always been raging, and it turns out that um, Tiamat trying to break through and do that is is like a little subplot in in the Blood War. This is this is no, okay. happening since the very dawn of time. Well, okay, because I tend to avoid lore um, because I might end up playing it, and I don't want to spoil it. Who the fuck is Tiamat? Tiamat is a five-headed dragon. She is the mother of all dragons, the um, the sort of evil counterpart to Bahamut. Yeah, but I mean, what does that mean? She, she's just a dragon. Where, why is she no longer in a material plane? Where, where because she? uh, she's she's a goddess. She's not a dragon. She's a goddess. She's a goddess. Um, so she's the goddess of evil dragons, and she's been imprisoned in the nine hells. Right. Um, and she didn't want to be. 
so she's coming out. So uh, also, um, various people don't want her there, but so th- there's a lot yeah. of politics going on, and it's not something that you need to be concerned about. Um, so uh, the things that were pointing towards that, so the little because um, I kept saying like, if people know their D and D law, they might get this. So the things that are pointing towards that were the forest angel was mm. a Modron, and a Modron is a uh, little mechanized creature from the. Um, oh the, yeah neutral lawful neutral plane of mechanus where everything is part of one mechanized being essentially and they um they have a thing where they go and march around the planes and try and look for um the, the rod of orcas and all that sort of stuff and they're, they're they're little cool things um and sometimes you get them that are split off from the main thing but this was um the modrons keeping tabs on what's happening in the blood war so I just, that was just a little Easter egg for people. Uh, the demon um, was a, another hint towards the Blood War. That wasn't a random monster. It was a random demon, but it wasn't a random monster. Mm-hmm. Um, Penin's dialect. So there were three or four things that I dropped in there uh, that are from Sigil. And if you've played Planescape or you've played the, the um, uh, Planescape Torment, the video game, uh, you'd recognize that. Excuse me. Um, the thing about ways between worlds and there being portals everywhere. Um, again, looking at Sigil. The positive negative energy stuff going on, uh, and the release of Tiamat from the Nine Hells, which is what Gareth Gould said. He said from the Nine Hells. Mm. Um, so it was it was saying this is not a homebrew universe. It's the Nine Hells, and only appears in in, in D and D. Well, and Dante, isn't it? Mm. He had nine. Uh, he had nine circles of hell. Yeah. Mm. So um, very different thing, though. Yeah. So let's see. We have the Room of Toys. What you Ooh. completely missed was that there were two rooms of toys. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I had one image of the room uh, of toys, and then you said, Ooh. And then that room just morphed. Something so, else. When you were talking to Gareth Golden, I'm surprised you didn't pick this up because you are magpies, is that he said, uh, objects, interesting objects come through, and we send them to the red, and we manage to keep some for ourselves. You didn't ask, can I see them? Because one of those would have been a fucking bazooka. Because dear God, D and D needs bazookas. Yeah, but I, this, this is this is what I mean. It's like your brain goes in one direction, ours will go in another. Because at yeah. that time, we were getting a whole talk about this is really serious. You have to do a thing, and we were like, okay, maybe we'll do the thing. So when he's talking about shiny things, I'm like, no, we've got to do the thing. Mm. But what might help us do the thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was that thing there. Um, uh, so we covered the blood, we covered the daggers. Um, oh yeah, in Kerava, you could have had a whole criminal underworld plot thing going on where, like, to you know, make a deal with the criminals to sort of get them away from the family they're terrorizing and all this. And it gets you embroiled in this whole thing. And then you get arrested and you're sort of brought, you know, in, into the, the main plot. But you could have had a sort of this little sub arc of go and play with these guys, but you killed them. So- <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, uh, okay, so the, the, the plot, the plot hook is that Funny, you have I think to- of myself as quite a different kind of player to you guys. Not so much really when you look at it in broad strokes. It's like, yep. here's a problem. Yep. How can I kill it? So, so yep. you, you were actually hired to bring back a load of prisoners, uh, one of which called Gregor Kleeman, who was the VIP. You Just the one back. that died. No, he didn't die. Uh, he became he w- one of them. Oh. Yeah, he became one of them. He would have been at the, the thing had you, explored enough. You've just spent a good, a good amount of time exploring, you'd have found this guy. Uh, he pretty was the sure. king's nephew. Yeah, pretty sure he was already changed before we got there, actually. Uh, you never met him. Yeah. Because you didn't look for him. No, I know. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, when, when we were going through the, the camp or whatever. There's a dangled power in front of him, you went, ooh! <laughs> um, so, uh, so because Duh. he was, because he didn't go back with the prisoners <laughs> who did go back, who mostly were sleeper agents, or people who were going to try and spread the word and all that, 
Because essentially the Red, the Red had sent these guys off to, to attack the town, thinking, right, they're going to die doing this thing, but it looks good. It looks like I'm trying to spread the word and all that sort of So it's internally consistent, but he didn't want the blue, the white, and the black to form this power block. He wanted them gone, so he sent them off there, and they went, right, okay, how can we get the best out of this? So like, right, let's get some converts, send them back. So instead of going and seizing the place and jumping over the walls, they tunneled underneath. Yeah, and just grabbed people and went. So they were going to come back. Um, the Shadow of the White um, could use charm spells and things to brainwash people, which you saw in your little interstitial stuff. You're going to go back, um, be mm-hmm. converts, and not go and fuck shit up, but just convert more people, spread the word, and you know, grow the family. But Gregor Kleeman uh, was too valuable. Um, Jesus. And uh, would, would have ended up going along. But yeah, that caused a, a war to happen because the king went, right, okay, they've kidnapped my kid. This entitles me to a just war, which means that even though they're part of the same confederacy, they can war against each other. So one of the things that might have happened um, was an option I had on the table um, was that you look at the, the wider geo- geopolitical stuff and you decide, ah, we can get on the back of this army and tell them what's going on and where they need to be and go to this island and fuck you up with an army. And that was going to be a, an option that you could have pursued. So it was either the huge scale or the small scale. So you went small scale, that's good. It was easier for me to organize. So um, that was something you could have found out if you'd have spent a bit more time in Kerava because you're like, oh, we're hot on the trails of this thing. It was like, can we take a moment to stop and figure out who this Clemen guy is and why he's so important? Um, and yeah, that would have put you on the back foot about getting there and, you know, you caught up to people a bit later and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you'd have known who it was. Mm. So it's that trade off. It's like, do we sacrifice a bit of time for a bit of knowledge? Do we do neither and just kill some monsters? <laughs> have fun. Yeah. Uh, so I, tr- I try to make the, the, the combats fun, but not like the, the point of it. Cause I don't really do tactical combat didn't fit in my head so Gareth Goulden's office was uh, had some toys in it as well which um, you'd have recognised um, he had the deck of many things he had some rings <laughs> uh, from fire and get, let, let him breathe underwater and stuff like that because as a planar traveller you need to be prepared for where you're going Gibble wouldn't have recognised any of them uh, you as a player <laughs> might have because oh. that was what was in the room in uh, the, the last room that you explored in the adventure that we played was his office with the deck of many things in it you did have the deck of many things um, which you drew a couple of things from but that room was full of stuff and, and, so, and so some of that would have come over okay uh, Rue's sister becoming a dragon Bleak was the new black uh, yeah what was Bleak's whole backstory with his uh, brother and everything Bleak um, was kind of pale pale to start with so yeah, yeah it, it was, it was a, he was a half orc mechanically um, and in a world where orcs didn't really exist and so what I said was like okay there's this race of feral elves or culture of at least more or less feral elves uh, north of the of, of the, this mountain range and they're hard mm. to get to and all that sort of stuff but it's like you're one of them and he was down with that um, and I was trying to give him some motivation as a character because what he wanted to do was be a lone wolf and no power of everything. So it's like, okay, well, personally, you're going to degrade into an animal if you don't go along with what this guy wants because he's saying to you, I can stop this happening to you. And it's giving him hints of that. And what was going to happen was that it wasn't actually going to send him insane or send him feral. He was just going to become more orky mm. as it went on. And if he wanted to build that into his character, into his temperament, that was up to him. So uh, those moments where he snapped and went or whatever were just to give him something to sort of latch onto. But um, yeah, I think I think he wanted to play a solo game uh, or a book, as we call them. Um, <laughs> uh, 
So, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, that's the problem when you start seeing, pulling characters out of novels, and you start thinking, "Oh, this is such a cool scene! If I can replicate, like, no, you can't replicate it with randomness." Mm. <laughs> so, multiple people. where it was going in season two, um, so uh, it would have become a bit more episodic. But it would have been Gimbal's story. Gimbal's a space baby, which actually brings nicely onto the fact that I want to hear a bit more about Gimbal that we didn't necessarily know at the table, if there was anything. The only thing that I knew about Gimbal that was that he was bar, uh, that he was a rock gnome. Um, I, I I actually found out most of his backstory in game, which mm-hmm. me and Paul had actually agreed on because um, we didn't know where Gimbal had come from. All we knew was he was smaller than a halfling, so basically a foundling. But he he because obviously he'd never seen anyone else that could have possibly been like him until Penny Meckersprocket turned up. Yeah, um, Gimbal just considered himself a halfling. Um, so he had, he had nothing until... Hey, you're the only person who might be the same thing that I am. I am the key to understanding myself, but you've got a weird accent so you can fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. It's like, you're obviously not that much like me. There was n- literally nothing, other than the fact that she looked like him, she could have just been a short halfling for all, for all Gimbal knew. <laughs> so there was literally nothing else there, especially when she didn't even speak fucking, you know, common. <laughs> One word out of five was a slag word. Was, yeah. yeah. Uh, so literally, she had a weird accent. Um, so, so, so did you ever kind of like figure out in your head where your pirate flag came from? Was that something you... No, the, the pirate flag was um, given to him by um, an actual pirate. Yeah, just he sort of gravitated towards those sort of things. Yeah, it, it's natural because of... It, but, you know, like, call it racial memory. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's like gimbal like you know, quite like pretty things. alignment so didn't have one um so gimbal's a space baby he's not necessarily a pirate is the thing mm. his um his his parents ship got through it didn't get through in one piece um and so all shit was going going loose or whatever and all we knew was that there was violence and bloodshed from his dream flashback right in my head they weren't actually sacking the place they were just trying to get the fuck out of Dodge and everything was going wrong. So it's fire everywhere and they were the ones being attacked because, let's face it, someone crashes a great big sailing ship on your village and there's fire everywhere. You don't wait to figure out what's going on. You start no. cutting. So basically, Gimbal was a shipwreck baby. Yes. Mm. Okay. But his From the orphan... Yeah, the mother who raised him D&D killed on. his birth oh. mother. Best part was that it was him who, did, who went with it and he was like, <laughs> no orphans! No orphans! Uh, so, so you're... you're the person who raised you killed your birth mother yep. and all that sort of stuff. Uh, whether it was in self-defense, we will never know. It was, it, you know, uh, or it was just cold-blooded, kind of, oh, this thing's different. To be fair, this is your story. We could know. You're just not going to do it. <laughs> uh, I, I just hadn't decided. Um, you could decide. So Decide now! <laughs> uh, the details end up filling themselves in. So, um, essentially, uh, so they, they come in, they go, you get left behind, and they can't return for you because they, you know, it's, it's too risky. So... Um, the next chapter would be in Sigil, and it's, it would be known that there are some cultures of gnomes, because uh, the entire species isn't one culture. So there are some species of gnomes that are nomadic, and they roam out throughout the multiverse on spelljamming uh, ships. So, um, But then if people get stranded away from that, there has to be a way of finding them, right? So they only want people of their own culture to find them. So what happens is, and the, the way that the next next set of episodes we're going to go was that um, we build your sigil or sigil um, so your contacts what you know and whatever so you can start mining that with this idea in mind that it's it's about building contacts and information and, and useful things and also a bit of a history there so it would have been several months or years or however long you wanted it to be and you'll have been surviving in sigil doing various things you'll have leveled up a couple of levels um, 
and be doing various things. There'll be stuff with, with Rue's patron, and you'd have heard stories about this thing that's led you to somewhere. You would have decided whether it's going to be in Sigil, whether it's going to be in one of the planes, whether it's going to be in the Prime Material plane somewhere, or whatever. But you're there, and there is a puzzle lock. And this puzzle lock unlocks the means by which you are going to find... Um, you're, you can be able to locate this thing. Essentially, you know, a, a big radar pop-up or whatever. And the way you do it is by completing the story that is written in freezes around the thing. And you'd only know that story if you're part of that culture, because it's closely guarded. People get told it when they're kids, but they don't spread it. Um, and so you have to then try and figure out that story by finding bits of it all over the place. And there are a lot of people who would quite like that story because that means they can find these ships that go around the multiverse getting lots of treasure and shit. Yeah. So you've got competing forces trying to uh, come in on it. Um, you've got people who half remember something that maybe they heard this one. So you're looking for different versions of it and you'd have found half a dozen different versions of the same story. Hmm. Um, which I was going to get very, you know, all of you to write your own story, like with very little information or different information and say, right, write a story about this or give me a, give me a plot outline for a story based on this that you know. And so there have been common threads. Um, so you would then come up with something together and it, it was, um, pick the commonalities, pick the commonalities and try and tell this story, which then gets Gimbal back to his home. So that was the, that was the A plot, the B plot. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't get anything from Yaska or Dave's character, um, I thought Dave's character would, would, would have been good to like have a guide or something. So maybe that would have been an NPC. Um, cause a big part of Sigil is guides. People hmm. coming along and going like, Oh, these, these books are clueless. Let's, you know, let, let's get some coin out of them to show them around. So Rue's patron. Yeah. It's the green man. Oh, Oak leaves. Okay. The green man is in the the the, the, the green man. The green. Oh, okay. The, the pagan green man. I, yes. Oh, yeah. That that was a, a million miles away from what I thought it was in my head. Uh, so go it's, on. It's, it's face, so it's not necessarily a man or that sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, it's just like the green man is one aspect that we've done. Whether, but I thought the commonalities, oak leaves, we've done that right. So um, the thing was that that what the, what Rue's patron wanted yeah. was to bring the Feywild. Mm. And superimpose it on that world because it is very, very, very close. And so he'd have needed a lot of energy and portals and stuff to make that happen, but not shattering everything, right? And just contain it. So, um, what he was wanting to do was Rue to spill the blood of Tiamat and thus channel it through him and his connection so that he would essentially turn the world into a bit of the Feywild in which he was the only Archfey. And the reason he wanted to do that is because he's currently hanging out exiled in Sigil. Because that's what he wanted to do with the other Feywild, and they weren't having it because it's a big place and they're a much bigger fish than him. So you would have been able to physically meet your patron and maybe kill them. And <gasps> the, the choice that Rue was going to have yeah. was in what power source he was going to have. So it wasn't you going to be a simpleton necessarily, as in, in your all power or no power. It was the thing with the badger demons. Mm. Um so the badgers were demons that survived the lack of power and potential in the world by diminishing their physical form. Mm-hmm. Um, they became animals. And basically they were like body hopping yeah. um, between animals. And it, and, and, the, and the badgers were just bad-tempered enough to... So they were essentially Voldemort in the first Harry Potter film. Essentially, yes. Ralph Fiennes! And when you got bitten in your dream, yeah. that was that badger demon hopping onto you. 
So mm-hmm. you would have had to either fight that or accept it or do something else with it because you could have drawn on it as a hex blade with your arrowhead that changed into a sword. Mm. <laughs> and you could have chosen to be a hex blade, um, but there would have been a cost to that. Like you would have been able to change form, for example, and been really fucking OP in battle. As in like you, you become a demon. Um, and lay about you with, with all sorts of fury or whatever, but it changes you every time you do it. That would have been the B-plot. Fair enough. Probably the, would have ended up very similar. I think, well, <laughs> I think this is actually kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to retire Rue, because I, 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 getting towards the end of it, I realised that it had kind of become the Rue show. Yeah. It was, the story was so focused around Rue, and I, I was feeling kind of, like, really bad that any of the people will, weren't really getting a say or anything. I didn't and, feel bad about it, to be honest, because... In that story, Rue did have the most um, compelling background going on. Yeah. I mean, Gimbal, okay, is a little bit weird. Nobody knows where he's from. He's not really got a patron or anything, any driving force other than, like, you know... Friendship. Staying with his friends. So, I mean, under the circumstances, <laughs> I was totally on board with that. that. That was kind of why I wanted to retire Rue. Either retire Rue by him becoming a big bad or... or, or him becoming a simple or something basically to get him out of the way so we could then concentrate on Gimbal but yeah. then I suddenly realised bringing in a completely new character again might full focus yeah. right like, at the end of the fucking story I know I so I really didn't know what to do with him as a character uh, I, I, I kind of felt like I'd what you do with him as a character as I could. is you make a choice to do a good thing and not be a sociopath even at the cost of your own power and then maybe maybe the DM goes oh that's good. Maybe we don't nerf him. Maybe I give you an out. It was it's on my it's on my character. His defining characteristic more than anything else was the fact that he was terrified beyond words of reversing back to who he was. And that's so much why so it, it would it, have been interesting for him to face that fear. But it would have been utterly un- unrealistic. No. I think. It, well, yeah, it would be utterly unrealistic, but also dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> he was. This is D and D. Nobody watched the the was, perfectly normal life of Benjamin Button. <laughs> 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 perfectly logical and, and you know just just yeah, Rue was not realistic. Button. Rue, Rue was Rue was a me- mentally challenged boy who was given otherworldly powers by the green fucking man. <laughs> Oh, in return for torturing his family. Yeah. <laughs> like. And again, he, in his defence, he didn't really understand what he was doing when he torched them. But there was, was a only fetus a- attached to a fucking unicorn. Yeah, physically repulsed him. <laughs> not realistic. All oh, right, <laughs> a okay. Fetus, that is not an excuse to kill some. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Can worms? Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Oh, there's worms in my eyes. Nah. Oh, I'm in the full of protein. <laughs> I was gonna say, not even the worst thing that's happened to one of my characters. <laughs> you got, you got it's, soil it's one of the opening scenes in the laundry box as well. No, just emo. The guy with worms like prime tastes like bacon. Oh, yeah. It's like gritty though. I think really, I, I just know the plot of everything by accident. Pull out, squeezes. Sorry, we're just talking about how best to prepare worms. Okay, so. The person who was toileted by Bleak was oh, yeah. called Eberwin. Eberwin. <laughs> that was his name. Yep. Just thought you ought to know. So, okay. So, all right. What would Karahad's story have been if he'd stuck around? Literally no way to tell because it would have gone very, very differently. Because Tom wasn't there 
I couldn't pilot Karahad to say you shouldn't do this and you should do that. Um, so when you started killing kids and whatever, that was like Karahad's not going to stick around after that. Uh, but had Tom been there, he probably would have stopped you. So uh, yeah, well, it's a real shame because we did as a group we did lose our moral focus yeah. at that point. You yeah. got high and started killing. I infants. did try. Yeah, you, you got me. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, no, yeah, I didn't really. Moral, help moral, you know, yeah. moral focus is my real life. I'm I stopped him from killing his sister. Heart. I tried. Actually, I'm not yeah. I, I, I literally had to Only stop. In today's environment, my left. Um, this is where I realised I was losing control of this whole thing and trying to impose too much control in it and I started my mood about the whole thing started going down was when like I had to stop and tell you in the meta if you kill your sister that is game over. In, in, and it's like, well, this is because it's, you drop a nuke on the whole place and everyone dies. But in my head, it's like, I don't want to be telling a story where someone is killing their sister because they're a little bit broken mm. and have the potential to do harm, but not actively doing it. So yeah, that was not a story I ever want to tell. So it, it would have, it would have been like, it, I wouldn't have even let you do the thing of like, oh, and then describe how it all ends. I'm just going, we'll end it there. We're not rolling for it. Game over. Done. Not rocks fall. Everyone dies. Just. I'm walking away from the table. Sorry. So I was very, very worried when you were doing that. I mean, that's fair enough. Everybody gets to... When you do collaborative storytelling, you know, sometimes... You know, so in, 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 sometimes in a you game just had enough. And you start, what? <laughs> in a game you're running, that's... You know, in a game, in the game I'm running, I, I, I mean, there's, there are reasons why, you know, you, you just don't insert possibilities into a story. At all, like I, I, I don't tend to do games with with families. I don't tend to, you know, like, I like dis, dis, d- detached people involved in a world where they have a lot of freedom and it's not going to get messy. Families are messy and real. And, mm. I like messy and real is the thing. Mm. I like messy and real in a novel because the author has oh, total the, control over everything that's going on. Oh, the, the the Cobb family were very messy and real. There was a full kind of breakdown as to the personalities of my mother, father, brother, sister, who they were, kind of, all stuff like this and everything. And obviously, you know, only two of them managed to survive to the rest of the story. But it was, yeah, it was a properly fully-fledged messy so family. I mean, in, I, I in, wrote in a backstory back for one of my characters that was a little like that. But mm. there was, it was very much that. It was... It, in my, in the backstory, it ended, you know, and that mm. was how my character began became who he was. But I very much ended it in in the backstory, so that it, it gave the character a lot of flash, but at no way would it ever impinge on the table play. Mm. And that that's just how I dealt with yeah. having a really quite unpleasant backstory. Because you know, for for Grigor actually, because Grigor is a messy, dark, weird character. Well, I, I think I think that this sort of argument and not having it be messy is fine for an episodic play. It's, it's, it's you know, we do Monster of the Week and, you know, uh, whatever. But if you're going to be coming back to this in theory for years, for me, that needed to be personal and it needed to be messy and it needed to be about the characters and not about the world. Because the, the you know, being given a quest to do this quest is not interesting um, over the course of several years. Not over the course of several years. Some people find that. Like, I'm playing, just saying, it's playing like, 25 episodes, you know, 30 I was episodes. just starting to panic because mine is, here's a mission, go and do it. But mm. it's not going to be for years, so. But yeah, if, we, if, you, mm. if you're planning it over 30 episodes, over 30 recording sessions or 40 recording sessions, like, that is, but wait, it, it's not enough. Unless it's an, in, an incredibly compelling plot, mm. um, that is far too long. You know, there, there, there are yeah. several arcs there. No, it, it made yeah. it really good to listen to. It, you wanted to keep listening to find yeah. out more. So in, in, in long form, to me, 
it's not about the actions that are taking place. Mm. It is the actions that take place give you an opportunity to explore the characters. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And if you have characters that aren't being explored and no one cares about, then why are we doing this at all? Mm. You know, um, then it becomes about, well, let's get some minis out. And it's like, what can I put in front of you every week? Um, mm-hmm. that, that sort of draws you through and it's like you don't really care about it's, it becomes fourth edition you don't really care what is the end goal you're just going like oh how do we connect the dots between combats or, or skill challenges or whatever mm-hmm. um, which is, is one way of playing the game but it's definitely it's a not time a long place form for everything. Mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely not a long form way of doing it to me can I ask everyone around the table what they regret about their character their, not so much kind of like what you didn't get to do but I mean what you regret Having created as part of them, which you um, Form, with hindsight conception, uh, accent, behavior, <laughs> so everything, basically. everything. Yeah, I, 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 I did not bond with Jace. It's a shame. I kind of like Jace. I mean, it was fun to play, but like I said, it's just one of those things. Is and that, and you know, when I've played other stuff, I've had hit and miss characters. I've had characters that if they ever die, you know, I, I, I am going to hold a blowtorch to the DM's balls <laughs> until he says it's not canon. Listening, Joe? <laughs> uh, you know, No, Joe's not listening. <laughs> no, um, no, Joe has flat out told me he doesn't like the way I DM and edit. That's why he will never play in a game <laughs> I DM. No, so some people are like the styles don't... Yeah. Mm, like, he, he, likes, he likes how Dave DMs. Mm. So he likes the, sort of the tactical play and the darkness and stuff, but yeah, he, he doesn't want the fluff that I do. Okay, fair enough. So different novels. Hmm. People like different novels. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I never, you know, I've had other characters that I were really great in conception, and then I actually put a lot of work into, and still haven't worked. And Jace didn't have a lot of work or a lot of conception. He was fun to play. He was a gag. He was kind of a gag character who lived way too long. Yeah, uh, he was a lot of fun. I, you know, I had a lot of fun with the with the with the visuals, and I liked his sort of weird way he ended up being a monk by just you know. Being marooned what? on an island. Jace, Jace needed like an episode three reveal of something. something yeah. Character. Didn't didn't he end up being dead, buried in a forest or something? Yes. That was that was you decided that, yeah. Oh, was it on the yeah, beach? it was off screen. I had to go oh, away for a beach? few weeks. I wasn't happy with Jace. And I just said, kill him. So in your head, did you ever like come to a, uh, think why he ended up dead? What did he do? Who did he piss off? Anything like that? Or did no, he they, kind they, of just leave it all completely? Did he die in a battle? Did he die in a fight? Deadly, so... We literally never established why he died. I could have. Uh, well, all we really knew is that Dave went on holiday. He died because his player went on holiday. Well. Although off off camera, we, me and um, uh, Kate established that the subtext was that uh, it was Yaska doing her uh, earthquake thing for the first time, and it mm. killed Jace by accident, and, like, <laughs> and no one saw it. <laughs> 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 That's <not> canon. <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of stumbling with a bottle and then fell out with this chasm wasn't here before splat earth closes up again <laughs> Rock, rocks fell and Jace dies <laughs> yeah no I mean it was fun visually polar bear po- he pokes over the top it never seemed an opportunity <laughs> to develop him and like I said I never had an accent for him I never had and I, I have found that I can't get into character without without a well, you, yeah. you came in to the actual game when quite a lot of interesting plot reveals were happening about Rue and Gimbal and yeah. stuff like that and, and everything. That never so there was a lot of me. So all, I was all the focus going on, yeah. That that's the only reason he lived as long as he did, is because I didn't feel like, you know, the party needed another mm-hmm. um you know, you needed another a sidekick character more than you needed mm-hmm. a, a subplot. Plot. A, a subplot. 
So he was just kind of along for the money and didn't have anything better to do. So to be fair, it was it was, it was only really the Rue show because um, I got given a backstory mm. um, and things you might care about as a person. And going through, I was I was hoping that you'd come out with things that you cared about as characters that I could then pull on. Um, but it wasn't really happening. It was more focusing on the action, mm. you know, the, the the next thing to do rather than how to explore each other's characters. Um, and so there was conflict going on, but just conflict isn't quite enough. You need you need some richness and depth there. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think I was succeeding in pulling it out of you. So, so Kate, your character. I had literally no place in that plot. I didn't belong in that story at all. <laughs> it was I loved I my character so much. So much. Didn't help at all. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't help put me in the plot. Well, I, th- I thought the way that you could be in the plot was the person who knows a bit more about what is going on. And but- I was. Yeah. Still didn't help. <laughs> she's literally just an, ob- an observer. She's literally the person sat at home I screaming still... at the TV. Don't go upstairs! I, I still don't quite know why I was there. Yeah, I, th- I think so I loved my character. That, that's I love um, her, yes, but it's another problem with with, with with campaigns. Yeah, putting new characters into yeah. campaigns. And I just I just couldn't compete always... with the story that was already happening. Yeah. I couldn't make my own backstory because there was already too much. At, so. at, at yeah. some point, like when you're introducing a new character, like there's a moment of like, um, oh hi, welcome to the team. Oh hi! I'm part of the team now, and it's just like we just accept that. Yeah, no, I was never a part of a team. Mm. I was just this thing that they tolerated. Yeah. I was yeah. there, Ended up following yeah. us around. I think that's why just we frowning, got... r- frowning. And yet, when I tried to leave, yeah, it was. <laughs> let me. If you'd just gone, well, fuck you guys, I'm going home then, and gone the other direction, I would have been fine with that. It was the fact that you were going in the direction we were going, and you were going to be interfering with it. I was like, oh, I'm going to say. I think that's why we kind of ended up being so frustrated with with your character in that we just kind of. I don't know. It was hard to, you know, interact with someone who really had no place in the story. Mm. But, you know, she was fun, though. I can't deny that. It's so much fun. By moving the story on a a few years. I love her. You can Mm. recite characters in the multiverse. I love doing that voice. By moving the, the story on in time, what we'd have done is say, right, this person is still there. If you guys didn't get on, then she wouldn't still be there. But she is there. So that's the reality you have to deal with. How was it you got on? Yeah. And so, like, you sort of figure out a way to communicate or, you know, a, a, yeah. an acceptance there and just say, no, deal with that and, and you know, we'll, we'll assume you've done it. You know? And that's one of the hardest things in role play is you can get very possessive of characters and we've done it in every game I've played. You get really possessive of characters and things, but it's always your, your character mostly belongs to, I'd say, 80. 80% minimum, probably more like 90, but that 10% of your character belongs to the group, mm. and you have to work together and communicate clearly to build a team together, and if and if a character really just doesn't want to do that anymore, Blake. you, know, you just yeah. gotta... You can have conflict in a group, but what you can't have is conflict yeah. about there being a group. Mm. Like I have mm. no problem with... PvP in, in roleplay. I mean, mm. I think some of the best moments I've ever had have, it really been, is, yeah. have been PvP combat even. Mm. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we sort of understand this is a, this is a spat. This is a lover's quarrel. <laughs> not, not literally lover's quarrel, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, one of the best scenes wow. is like, you know, one of my characters throwing eldritch blasts at, at a, at a halfling who's got something that I don't, trying to keep from the rest of the party and he's jumping and I'm just blowing rafters out from under his feet as he's jumping around in the roof of a building and we eventually set the building on flower and collapse it on our heads. 
it's, it's you know it's it's your predator, it's your aliens, it's whatever. It's, it's people um, being at loggerheads with each other and maybe wanting to go in completely different ways and whatever. But yeah. then when the shit hits the fan, they're all you know working together. Yeah. Um, even if they've got different agendas, it's like, well, my agenda right now is stay alive. So this is happening. Mm. And uh, at some point, even if you want your character to still be in that conflict. If the table decide, even if you want your character to go in one direction, if the table decides that's not the direction we're going, it's retire the character or, or find the, find a way for the character to cope with it or mm-hmm. find a way for the character to cope with it or, you know, even fundamentally change the character and, and, but, but, you know, say that and then find a way to role play that. Mm-hmm. reconciliation, that sort of epiphany, whatever you want it to be. Well, it's exactly what we do at the table, like, well, uh, we're doing this silly game now, and we'll do this serious game later, because... Yeah. yeah. Um, so, if characters want to do, you know, X action, or X type of action, like, for example, in the thing we're looking at um, doing for Dave's campaign, uh, Biddy's character wants the limelight, and my character really doesn't. So, there's probably not going to be a... Um, a moment for moment conflict there, but it's like, okay, we'll go with you this far. Now you're coming with me, kind of thing. Gimbal, what was what was wrong with Gimbal in your mind? Nothing was wrong with Gimbal. He just he was trying to find somewhere to fit in. That was it. No, I mean in a sense of like, what like, would you have done differently? What, would you have done? Oh, well, so what was wrong? Yeah, yeah. With it? What, what was broken about the character? Um, probably as the game went on, I found it harder and harder to engage with him. Because hmm. um, usually. I don't like to think too much, like, 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 I think it was because Mike with Bleak really put me off the idea of, like, overthinking the character. Yeah. Um, cause Mike had this whole thing of, like, this is how, this is how Bleak is, this is what, and like Paul said, he kept on just trying to nope out the plot. Every opportunity he got, even after Paul gave him this, this is why you will stay in, he was like, nah. Nah. Uh, so I don't like the idea of overthinking a character. So I tried to basically, with Gimbal, sort of develop him as things went along. Hence how I was thinking we were going to come to the point where it's literally it was going to either be Gimbal is going to try and head Rue off by stopping the ritual. And then the fact that we didn't end up exploring and finding out all about the ritual, Gimbal at that point is going to go, I've had enough of this. You're obviously the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was it. It was literally it was going to go two ways. Um, and well, that's the way it went. But yeah, I actually, as the game went on, I did find it really hard to like, you know, engage with Gimbal, especially like, like you said, once he started doing the whole killing thing. But that was just, it was literally, it was a case of that's the way I thought he would have reacted in game to the stimulus that was actually taking place. You're Morty! Or Rick. <laughs> well, the, the episode of Rick and Morty where, um, <clears throat> who's, who's the little guy? That was Morty. Kid. Morty. Morty. Yeah. When one of the versions of Morty gets so twisted by his Rick, he uh, starts kidnapping yeah, yeah, all yeah. the other Morty. Yes. Oh, the evil Morty. You were yeah. evil Morty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it was, it, yes, actually. I kind of, so, yeah, kind of like that. So it was literally just basically, I, I like, I like the idea of developing the cam, the, the camera, the character as the game goes on, you know, depending on what happens in game. Cause I think that can take you to some really interesting yeah. places. In this one, I think mostly because of Rue. Um, <laughs> it, it, it dark, went, dark, it did, it went very dark. It, it, it's like, cause obviously he, it, like I said, he'd been looking for a way to fit in. Cause he was obviously always a weird one in this, in these halflings family. He'd always been different, never have found anyone to connect with. And then he'd had this long-term friend who all of a sudden was different. It's really interesting. I mean, simple character motivations actually went, I mean, maybe it's not a place you enjoyed going, but it was a really interesting mm. place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not saying it wasn't interesting. That's why I, that's why I carried on with it, to see so, where it went. So with with Gimbal, one of the things I was trying to uh, do there, and, and with, with with most of the characters, and in fact, I think with all the characters, if, if I'm in charge of putting story in front of you, is is 
taking the thing that is the core of you that you think is the thing that is unchangeable about that character and going maybe maybe that the story of that changing is the story of that character mm. so for example rue putting aside his desperate need for power and uh, an agency and going i'll put that aside to be a good person and maybe that's how he actually gets it you know um so stop being selfish and start being selfless and then actually achieve what you want that way so for gimbal um with the things like the, the harp for example um so it's when you started doing things and engaging with the world and being who you were which, which was unique from anyone else mm. so the the musical thing going on um, that that was how you were being unique. And so maybe the story of Gimbal wasn't about how he tries to fit in. It's how he realizes he doesn't need to. Yeah. He just be, it's just him. Yeah. And that's good enough. So Gimbal's harp was one of the most powerful items in the game. Um, and because it was down to Gimbal finding his own way, that would probably have come out in season two. Yeah. Uh, but it gave you free heals, for example, that which is, fucking huge in a world that has no healing yeah. Gimbal could have gone and started his own cult with that harp yeah. um, he could have been one of the most powerful people on the planet with that harp I like the idea of a harp based cult hmm. um, so um, well Yaska's staff was going to be the thing that started to become magic and all that sort of stuff because it was her uh, when she was out in the multiverse her staff was going to become her route to her home and so that would become more magical homing though. beacon well it, it, it's just it's a talisman it's my tree mm. my tree is that the tree you lived in? My tree. Okay, always playing with her wood. Yep. <laughs> uh, for some reason, my staff is really curved. So, <laughs> Biddy. Yeah. <laughs> what was okay about Rue? No, that's going to okay. be a quicker well, conversation. Yeah, what was right about I put it on the record. I liked Rue in all of its forms. I think I actually, you might actually be slightly surprised by this in that um, my biggest regret about. Rue was putting a little bit too much of myself in him. <laughs> Which, Dave, hide the baby, hide the baby. I just if you'll move. bear with me a moment. The reason why he was never, ever, ever gonna be able to get away from that kind of like fear of losing his powers and going back to who he was, and that was why he was, that was always his main driving force, is because in many ways that was my own fear of the fact that um, I had speech therapy when I was younger as a child, um, and it took quite a lot of time and effort to well, be yeah, I was going to say, you. You, your diction is fantastic. Thank you. But um, I am, because, because of that, I'm always aware of the fact that I, I talk to people and I've had this conversation a few times. And I go, well, speak what happens when you speak? And I go, well, I just have a conversation. Whereas when I speak, there's a little bit of my brain in the in the corner that's kind of processing what I'm saying and ticking boxes and reminding me to say and do certain things. So, in many ways, Rue's fear of... Uh, I also suffer from dyslexia as well. So, um, Yeah. So, Rue's fear of kind of like reverting back to how he was is kind of my own personal deep-rooted fear of that happening, losing that ability to be able to do what I do now. And as a result of that, it was... There was too much of myself in the character, and that, that fear for me and the character was very genuine. It wasn't something I was just role-playing. And I think that was a mistake. Because initially, I always thought it was a good idea to put a little bit of yourself into the character that you can relate to. I've fun. now realized that you've got to be very careful what element you put into it. So, yeah, looking back at it now, I think genuinely that is probably what I consider to be the biggest mistake I had with Rogue. What you're describing also is like you can see it to a lesser extent happen with um, officers who left the army and go and get jobs in Civvy Street. There's a course they go on mm. um, as part of their exit, which is uh, it's elected. They don't force you on it. 
uh, which is how to talk to civilians again. Mm. And you, you see the cogs moving, um, as they, they remember to say please and thank you and to, to look at people and acknowledge what they've said or whatever. And, um, where they're putting the brakes on when they're about to tear someone apart, which, which in a military context, they would just do as easy as breathing and no one would remark on it. It's not even, you know, it's just how you talk to people. It's like mm. someone, someone said something that wasn't the most helpful thing they could have said, not even something stupid. And you've written the shit about it that's how that works yeah. uh, and the humor is very different and the camaraderie is very different and how you treat people incredibly different and so uh we used to have a guy at the first company i worked for uh the first big company i worked for and he was our training guy you would see him like literally stop and turn back and go yes thank you <laughs> he's like take that one off the box <laughs> and then go back to his spiel so for me um what was wrong with my characters is none of them were memorable I, I I personally couldn't think of like who you would gravitate towards and say this was an NPC I will remember out of this. So um, so Gareth Golden gave you your plot hooks and basically like I thought I was going to try and make him memorable by the fact that he took you all apart uh, by talking to you. He's like this guy has your number in a way nobody else ever could, will, or whatever. You know, this is this guy can see into you, and he's not impressed. Mm. And I thought that was going to be something that made, but he wasn't. He was just like, okay, that's done, and then we're going on. And no one ever talked to him about him again. Um, and it wasn't a case of what does he have on Bleak or you know what what's you know he's he knows about Gimbal, so what's that going on and you know um there's a possibility of Rue owning land somewhere you know that that kind of uh, who is he that does this can we trust him you know that sort of stuff there's no discussion of that he was he was basically a guy with an exclamation point over his head for you guys yeah. I hated him I hated him. I think we could have so used much. some fireside chats in general. Mm. I've never, and don't get me wrong, this is not a massive criticism, because I've never seen them done well. No. Uh, They're so hard in D&D. They shouldn't be. They're like, in every got, movie, have every exposed. movie, <laughs> every movie ever revolves around the equivalent of a fireside chat. Whether it's, you know, in, in, like we said, talking about Bright, all the conversations they had in the cop car. To and from work, just just mm. shitting. Exposition. All the, all the, well, it's exposition, but it's also the characters engaging with each other. Characters telling them about and dis discuss. Well, even just discussing mm. the plot and stuff that's going on outside of time pressure. Yeah, it's and it's time the, frame. It's it's um, the intercostal. It's you know you're you you're. It's the turbo lift. It's the turbo lift. It's you're going from A to B. You've got nothing better to do than just. Talk about what's going on in group process, mm. and I've never seen it done. That's something that there was a rule well, in Star Trek. Yeah, the turbo. The, the if there's two people in a turbo lift, if there's one person, they travel instantaneously between places. Yes. If there's two people, it's the length of time that the turbo lift takes to get where it's going is always the length of time that it takes them to talk about the plot. Mm. Mm. I think that's that's, that might be why we missed a lot of the plot. <laughs> yeah, because you're always, you know, in character doing things, and it might be an idea. We could actually just try it for the hell of it. We can just chop them out wholesale if they don't work. But in the next campaign, we can do. You know, when well, we did. when there's a point, I'll just be like, "Well, well I think, you, I think you, you've you've now got eight hours to walk." We did kind of do it a little bit because, like, when. Um, like Bleak was kicking off Excuse about, me. "Oh, you're a fucking wizard! Bah, I hate you!" Bah, 
you know, just wait so until we, tonight. I wasn't there. Well, when, when the group was there, it was like, oh, wait until we get to the campsite, then you can ask all your questions and everything. At the time, I was actually really quite truthful around that campfire. I pretty much said everything that I knew also, at the time. you're walking through the countryside. Myself. Yeah. And why do I need? Why do you need to wait until? Well, in, in, in fairness, <laughs> right in there. fairness, he was on a horse going back to town to steal some stinky uh, dead person armor, <laughs> and then he rode past us and we hid in the bushes and got crossbows fired at us and stuff. So it was only really when he got back and we sat around the fire that we had a conversation. But we did kind of start doing that within the game. We kind of went right, okay, That's you're on the campfire. What do you think is happening in the plot? So yeah, I think you need to do that more later yes. on. You had a fake campfire on a boat. In order to have a campfire talk. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I illusioned one up, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if people know this. Uh, I I think this went out on one of the recordings. You're all right. Mm. Shooting Penny, my jaw. Mm. Those were fun. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, Rue couldn't swim. So if the boat had gone down, that would have been. Mm. Uh, that could have been the end of Rue. Or someone might <laughs> to have. To be fair, we were in the middle of the fucking ocean. If the boat had gone down, we'd have all died. Because mm. you can't swim for, you know. 40, 50, 60 nautical miles. There might be able to What if I was a special... What if I was a polar bear? I could have swum. Fuck you hmm. Well, considering <laughs> at one point you turned yourself into a seal, I think you would have been alright. Because you could have just turned into a dolphin and... Oh, um, sure. another Easter yeah. egg uh, about the, the plane of travels and mm-hmm. and, and uh, the D&D multiverse was that the, um, the teleporting bodyguard type people who appeared out of nowhere and had armour that moved. Around. Oh, yeah. 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 Gith Yankee. Their, their um, uh, origin, uh, original home is limbo, where they have to concentrate to make things real, mm. um, and like they have swords and armor that is um, oh, yeah, like that's metal nice. that's influenced by their oh. state of mind. So if they think sharp thoughts, <laughs> their sword gets sharper. That sort of stuff. Mm. Adam is dying. I was about to say. I'm actually we- thinking. I might. I'm, I might. Cut this short and shoot off early yeah. on you guys because I don't want to get to the point where I'm not going to be able to drive home. Mm. Yeah, no. cool. If um, you want to, so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, cool. I'm gonna kill. I hope for better. Ah, it's okay. okay. I had to do it the other week. Oh. So we'll, we'll just do get a, half an hour of bloopers essentially. <laughs> well, we'll do a quick wrap up and then we'll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quick wrap up. Yeah. yeah. Quick word. Mm. So. Oh, my name is G. So I, I can't do it. <laughs> now you're gonna. I, shall, I drink uh, lots of whiskey. I'll send you a message to let you know if I'm home safe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. All right, um, I will see you guys next week. Bye. 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 I feel better. Bye bye. Get well soon. All right. Three days later, he died. So, uh, <laughs> for, uh, for the sake of my ego, uh, we've got other things we didn't like about the campaign and stuff. What did what did we like? What what is what's something that you would like to see in a campaign in future or something that worked? <laughs> the complexity of Biddy's character was just lovely, and and I I I, I don't know. I, I I enjoyed Biddy Stark. I liked the I way that he tried- dealt with his backstory. He didn't like skirt around it. That was an important couple yeah. of episodes, and it was really well done. I- it could have been horrendous, but it was. It was if I'd yeah. done it, it would have been horrendous. <laughs> I honestly thought I was playing him as being morally grey. I didn't realise that. <laughs> he started off, he, he was grey. He did grey start off that way. Half of my participants stopped being morally grey when he committed the first murder. episode. Well, that's my point. He's about halfway through my participation in the campaign. He he t- he killed someone. Boatman Barnes. Boatman Barnes. Yeah. Not, necess- not because it was necessary, but because it was more convenient. 
uh, he'd been taken out as an as an actual threat. You'd made your point, you know. You'd gone and intimidated the people. You'd, you'd killed a couple of people and left him there, like severely disabled, wounded. You know, you'd been shot through the leg. Like he was not going to be walking without a limp ever again. Um, his career is over. When his life this? is pretty much over. Very, so, when the, some of the very first episodes. All right. And he went back in and slit his throat. No witnesses. <laughs> so, like that—that that was that is not morally gray in any way. It, it, I can see your, your, your reasoning in a D and D world. I think up until that point, kill everything. Yeah, I think he, up until that point, he was morally gray, and it was at that point that the scale started to tip in a direction. So it it, it stayed in that gray kind of central bit, but slowly just kept on shifting and shifting and shifting. If, if that had been it's, done, it's the reason why I I don't think I could ever play uh, like an evil D and D campaign. It would get so dark so fast. Yeah. Because it's, with it player, cause, cause, well, I, I don't find it hard to understand the reasoning behind a completely amoral character. Hmm. Like in real life, I'm a real softy. I tear up at the freaking, you know, UNICEF ads and things. <laughs> but I don't find total amoral, um, behavior inconceivable. I find sadistic behavior inconceivable. Hmm. But that sort of amoral, functional, this is the most efficient way to deal with this thing now is the thing that's gonna benefit it would just get it would just get way too dark. That if, that, was, if you were if we were given carte blanche to just do that kind of shit. That was where he started. And if it had stayed in that flavour, mm. then it's it's kind of well, I'm gonna make a decision no one else is one and I'm, I'm this is the course of action I'm taking. But then it became much more actively I'm going to destroy everything in the world. <laughs> That's that is hand rubbing the evil um, and knowing what I'm doing as well. I've got to admit, when I was kind of like talking about is really kind of like, you know, breaking the world a bad thing, I was still working on the theory that, that opening up all the doorways and the realities and stuff so we could be part of the bigger multiverse. Population of one That's billion. kind of what You're I was still thinking of. Planet with a population of. of one billion and a good majority of them are going to die. Mm. <laughs> You, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> billion eggs. <laughs> it's a big fucking omelet. Uh, one of the I things think, I... Think I that's that's yeah. the difference between playing a role-playing game to me, which is... Um, and, and a game that I play, and it's like, you think about the wider thing. I tried very hard to say, this is a wider world, and a lot of it doesn't care about you. It's like, just to give you a sense that it operates beyond the borders. If you're yeah. playing Skyrim, there is nothing beyond Skyrim. Yeah. Like it's, you know, if, if you're playing a computer game, there's nothing beyond the choice you make, and it makes no difference, whatever. But like, um, it's just interesting to choose this path or that path. And it's like, well, there are consequences in the game and in, in, in how everything else pans out. Because of yeah. what you're doing, so mm. so it, you you don't think about oh, do we save the world? Well, the world is what a, a, a few patches of grass that you walk through. No, the world is a load of people you've never met before. It's like Mamas if and babies and daddies. If this had been a Call of Cthulhu campaign, mm. <laughs> it would have been completely different. Um, would Rue have gone in to kill that guy? Maybe. Would he have gone? Do you know what? Let's fucking destroy the world. Absolutely not. My character in Call of Cthulhu carries around a uh, a three-channel cigar case in his breast pocket, mm-hmm. uh, which actually has dynamite in it, because setting fire to things wasn't enough anymore. And this was this is actually a group decision, because we keep on finding old ladies that want to kill us. 
And, oh, and, this is that thing. Yeah, and we keep on, and we, we keep on only just managing to escape these old ladies with the skin of our teeth and then having to burn the house down to hide the evidence. And we don't want to. So many <laughs> things burn down in Call of Cthulhu. I love it. But yes. uh, the really, the really, really bad thing is, is on the one occasion where we did meet an old lady who was utterly, utterly benign, as soon as she opened the door, we all stepped back. We all stepped back about two foot. <laughs> Because we were just like, we've got previous here, we're scared. But so anyway... Um, this, it, so this is one of the reasons why I'm yes. saying that maybe if we go forward with that story, i take it out of the D&D system and maybe go with Genesis or Fate or something else. Mm. Because it makes you think about it differently. You think about D&D, D&D has become so tropey with XP and HP and, you know, spell points. And all it's, so, it's become so, so much the basis of mm. video games that you yeah. think about it in video game terms and thus you're trying to put drama and trying to let that in and it's like oh and here's a combat no 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 absolutely yeah, not no you're totally right because in the same campaign we um insanity we, rules in, in Call of Cthulhu actually do a pretty good job yeah. of, of reigning in the more murder hobo-y tendencies so when you start doing thing, example, things like that you could go crazy and bad things happen. Yeah, we... so, so any any character I play, and yeah. including the one in, in Dave's character, violence is the last resort hmm. because that is a sensible way to live, or it is a way in which you can survive. If violence is the first resort for everything, you are going to have died a long time ago, or you've got incredibly tough, and you're you know you're a plot level bad guy. Um, so, or you manage to keep your head down long enough. Um, but if you if if you go through life murder hoboing, you suddenly stop going through life. Yeah, know? we uh, in the same Call of Cthulhu campaign just because to make it it makes it sound like we're a bunch of arsonists and we're not uh, because no, it's we, just Call of Cthulhu. When when bad thing you know when when eldritch horrors and witches and demons start coming out of the plot, you know one of the you, you smash a lamp, you know, and yeah. run. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we we were when doing the house is trying to kill you. You burn yeah. it down. We were doing a subplot where we were going to like little, little Edale, and um, you know, and oh, there'd been some disappearance up the road. Uh, well, Edale is up the road, and it's kind of loosely based on that that kind of area of the world. But anyway, um, there'd been some disappearances during a full moon, so we all kind of looked at each other and went, "Well, we know what this is going to be." And and in character, we're all like, "Well, you know." These these novels and Penny Dreadful kind of like stories and stuff exist in the, at this point in the nineteen twenty five or whatever. So you know we're not stupid. We would think to ourselves there might be some werewolf action going on. So we got a fuck ton of silver bullets made up on the off chance we were going to have to get into a gunfight with a werewolf. We actually ended up resolving the entire story through negotiation. We had a chat with. That we ended up meeting the father of the girl who was turning. We we managed to figure out what the problem was. We cured her. It was all very amicable, and we came away with it with like loads of silver bullets. Going, well, what the fuck do we do with these now? Throw but, them at old ladies. Yeah, but it was it was <laughs> we prepped for actually the ballistic think, properties of silver is wonderful. Yeah, but I think this proves your point in that we prepped for the worst case scenario, but we tried went, to avoid the worst we, case. We tried to avoid it. Yeah, we didn't go in guns blazing. So to, to give you a peek behind the, the DM screen, mm. in the whole Doors campaign, yeah. there was only one combat that was unavoidable. And that was the combat in the village where you were ambushed. Mm. That sure, was shark it. and bear. Uh, the shark and bear could have run. Well, yeah. Yes. It wasn't very fast. Didn't have a great no. movement speed. Didn't stop to find out. Mm. Um, there was other ways of doing that as well. There was maybe, you know, set a trap for it and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, and I will, just, just, I want to, I will really run with that in, in our, in my day campaign. Mm. With what? Dealing with problems in, in unusual ways. Yeah. I, mm. I, I would, 
I mean, I'm not, it's, it's, I'm leaving it up to you guys what kind of D&D game, what kind of game, I mean, what kind of game you want to play. It's not in a D&D universe, it's not in a D&D mythology, but, you know, I, I would very, very much enjoy uh, a campaign where I hit it with my axe is not the first. Mm. Unless it's a door that you need to get through and, you know, your lockpick broke. In which case, yeah, hit it with your axe. So, one of the things, think about the, the D&D universe, back um, in some of the first episodes, hmm. I I think I'm in the bloopers saying I am plotting this out to go where I think D and D is going publishing wise, okay. based on um, they've just published uh, Rise of Tiamat and um, uh, Tyranny of Dragons, um, and I thought they were going to sigil. I thought they were going to go towards the multiverse and break people into mm. the multiverse, and so they were like, "Here's this, there's that, and here's the other," and it looks like they very much are. So they've just um, they're about to publish Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes or something of foes, which is all lots of villains and things, and they're all from the D&D planar multiverse centered on Sigil. Hmm. So I feel vind- I feel like I got it right, <laughs> you know, and that we were getting there just as that was going to come out as well. So uh, I think I think I did well with that. Um, but I, I, plot-wise, I think uh, no, I, I think I dropped the ball on the plot. I, I want to say that one of my one of my favourite things about the entire thing was when we first started it and the time jumping backwards and forwards was fantastic. I really like that. And in fact, actually, if it wasn't for the fact that we've we've ended this how we did and we were going to end it correct, as in actual end it in gameplay, I was going to suggest to you, can we do another version of that where we time jump from we're in the middle of the action to setting up for the action and, and so basically bookmark it with oh, like no, backwards and forwards no, back and forwards is what you're doing I'll remember to go back in time and set up this <laughs> bucket on your head <laughs> I hadn't thought of that but that's a fair point um, strange things afoot of the circle K yeah so but no yeah I, I absolutely love that and my, my favourite moments were actually as a group when we were just kind of you know doing fun things like when we got to the village with the shadow of the blue and you know, and we're all collectively trying to you yeah, know, distract everyone, that. and um, you know, we were playing big social combat going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, I was busy kind of like doing small magical effects to try and get the crowd, crowd going by. You know, magically creating a clapping person to get other people going, and just, and just about two people just kind of went, "What the fuck's that?" Uh, you know, nothing came of it. But everyone was staring at you. Everyone was staring at us. Uh, yeah. And Bleak snuck into a toilet and put someone down the dunny head first. Yeah. Um, and might have killed him. Uh, uh, it's this campaign. He killed him. <laughs> yeah, I think Gimbal tried to do some sort of. He was dance he well. was up he was on the table uh, doing playing music and singing, and that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get the. the I liked crowd it when Gimbal was a bard. See, I liked I, I liked, liked Gimbal being doing the barding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever he stopped he doing it, I was like, oh. <laughs> Whenever he remembered to be, be a, bard, a bard, he got rewarded for it, yeah. is the thing. You know, he, he got extra things for being a bard. I'm like, do that thing, it's cool. I'm so glad there are no bards on my campaign. All bard party. <laughs> um, that I, would be amusing. Did that's, we not do that with you build uh, up, well, that's, that's, the wild? <laughs> yeah, I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> Where we almost broke his entire game. Yeah. My, my <laughs> character as a standard build does actually come with a musical instrument. So, although I'm not a bard, I definitely have the ability to do some I had a musical instrument. I can't remember what it was. Mine comes with a disguise kit, and you had best fucking believe that it's getting used. Mm. <laughs> wigs, 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 all over the place. I liked the waffle dance. <laughs> what was the, the waffle dance? It was the dance of your people. 
<laughs> Which we now know to be bad. <laughs> waffle time. I like the waffle time. <laughs> I like, I like being a bear. We would I hate never being a people. We would never have guessed. People bear. The recording? Uh yes, so this thing is hurting my head. Um we will return to D and D. I believe Dave is planning a campaign and um but the, the Doors campaign is over. Better um, way to put it is I'm building a world you can fuck about it. Yeah. So the Doors campaign is done. We're not gonna be re- returning to it. Um if we do I'm not saying we're not ever going to go back to Sigil or whatever, um, because that that is a setting that I love. I, I love the Planescape setting. I think it's going to be quite current as well. It's fun. I've never played in the Planescape. It's you know you, when you, when you play in very different kinds of D and very atypical kinds of D and D, like I have. You 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 go on the Wikipedia page and you read about the planes, and it's also the, the just way to think mind about blowing and confusing. That it would be every, fun to, to play in it. Every plane of existence is a room in a dungeon. Yeah, that's that's how you manage that. Um, but uh, I I still like D and D, but there are so many other things I want to play. Mm. I want to get into Powered by the Apocalypse games. So I think um, uh, Apocalypse Engine is really really good way to do um, quick, easy uh, character stuff with a lot of depth in it, and to capture um, a feel of a genre or of a setting very very quickly, very very well, and make that part of the mechanics. Excuse me. Make that part of the mechanics. I think Powered by the Apocalypse is the way to do it. Um, so I've kickstarted um, Noir World, which is going to um, be published reasonably shortly. Uh, but there's all sorts of stuff like Monster Hearts, like uh, that one we saw in Fanboy about the the warrior uh, women thing going on. Um, oh yeah, that looked really good. And uh, Girl Power. Yeah, lo- lots and lots and lots of things that I want to look at in Powered by the Apocalypse. <laughs> I've got the Star Trek game, uh, which I want to do. I want to do more in the Dresden Files. We are going to have that long one-day session thing going on Uh um, to do a one-shot with your friend Sad. Sad is absolutely fantastic. He really is an absolutely stellar DM. So if we can get the dates so everyone can come and be present, you will not regret it. Mm. Cool. Um, And I've... I keep saying like I don't want to DM a thing for a good while. Um, I think I said like, I'm not going to DM anything for a year. Uh, it's I'm up for DMing things, um, but I do want a break and I want to be a player. So, cool. What we're we looking for? We've got we've got Dave's D and D thing mm-hmm. to do. We've got Kate's Acton Cthulhu. <laughs> um, uh, Billy, do you have something? Come on. Tell us. Just 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 just. You have your canon story, and let us fuck about in your canon in your world. Just, just make it like you know. It's, a it's, it's like a Marvel what if. It was so much fun. I know. Really I know. I, I, the, the the star the Star Wars the group of characters and, and the, we won't the, be the, so hard on you. I was a kid. I was going to say that it, has resonated with all of us around the table more than anything else we've ever done. I was going to say it the. I think I've come to terms with it. We'll have to see how it goes. But ultimately, Star Wars is the closest thing I have to a religion, basically. <laughs> so, um, it's alternate. It's, it's fucking universe, with a fucking it's universe. universe religion is a dangerous it's universe thing. two. It's universe I know. two. It's not canon. Mm-hmm. Like we do Call of Cthulhu stuff. We have a canon. We have canon recordings. We have non-canon recordings. Mm. 
It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's those Marvel what ifs, you know, so what if yeah. um, the Hulk was a famous Dada artist, for example. It's like when Deadpool kills all superheroes. Yeah, mm. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. It's great. Um, Some of the ways he does that is really quite evil. Anyway, well, yes. <laughs> mass murder. Murder. We've, we've established this mass murder evil. Um, <laughs> just just write it down, put it on a card, put that in your Murder, bad <laughs> Don't let the red spandex fool you. Oh, God. Oh, no, gonna... I need one of these now. I've just had my business cards at work. I need a load of business cards printed and it just says, don't kill people. I just get out on the train and like go, <sighs> okay. <laughs> I've got to say, the way in which you, you guys reacted when I went, I've got a bit too much of myself in ruin. There was a general kind of like, oh, let's make light of this, but actually that's slightly <laughs> scary. Uh, it was quite a like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't And then I went all serious and emotion on you and you went, oh, right, it's yeah. this way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It needed the explanation, otherwise we assumed that you go off and kill people in yeah. real life. <laughs> so what does it say about all my characters? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, shall we call it there? Yeah. Right. Hey, I've been Dave. I will continue to be Paul. I'm Maris Natalie Portman. Yay! I am no longer Rue or Fluss. I am just simply Biddy. So not appearing in this film. <laughs> <laughs> we out. If you want to get in touch with us, with your comments, questions, or feedback. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at SwordNut Radio. You can find us on Facebook, and you can send an email to swordnutradio at gmail.com. That's swordnutradio at gmail.com. If you like what we do and you'd like to support us, you can head to patreon.com forward slash swordnutradio and drop us a couple of dollars to help keep things running. You get access to the super secret awesome feed time, where this episode was posted last week, and where we put occasional extra content and early episodes. As and when we hit goals, you'll also get access to prize draws of Swordnut Swag. But a cheaper way to do that at the moment is to leave us a five-star review. That can be on iTunes, on Stitcher, or some other podcast review site. Take a screenshot, send it to me at swordnutradio at gmail.com, at swordnutradio on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, and we'll get in contact with you and send you some Swordnut Swag. We had a lot of fun with this campaign, and we hope you join us for the next one. Now I'm going to let our title music, Shards of Glass by Louis Barabbas and the Bedlam Six, play out in full. Now that you've heard where I intended to take the story, perhaps this will make sense. Bye-bye. My shoe, she had so much to say. So little proof there was running on the wall. Living around was walking tall. She said, You want a piece of me? You want to come take it all. And I, I, I'll see you in hell, my friend. I, I,
told her it was more than a case of wounded pride. Should I scream that tall and outside? I said, hey, hey, I see you in hell, my friend. Somebody I biblically knew There's a on the wall Living around with one tall She said You want a piece of me? Come on and take it all I said I, I, I see you in hell, my friend I, I Okay. With the well, with the new campaign, just, yeah. just while we're on that, one of the things I was sort of planning, and I think I've sort of said this, but probably badly, is you know the the, the first few bits we'll do, we're just going to sort of have fun, we're going to live in the characters a bit, and then I'll ask you guys for backstories and stuff. So mm. once we've all played together and has had some fun, had a little bit more, you know, have a, get a feel for who you are, before get a feel for who you are as a part of it at the table, and then my eyes feel really gummy. Oh. <laughs> Like, you know, when you blink and you can feel, literally feel the lids sticking together. Ah. It's not pleasant. Thank you for sitting on the other end of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I did think it wouldn't be very nice, especially yeah. when you got a little thing, bag of wind up there. <laughs> um, it's called a baby. <laughs> little bag of wind. <laughs> yeah. uh, or a balloon, I don't know. <laughs> um, he's not really going to want lime, light, per se. Kind of fame, glory. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not fame and glory. It's kind of more kind of like recognition. This is what I'm actually quite looking for. Right on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wants to be blooded. Yeah, yeah, essentially. To a certain extent. Yeah. Last night, and I just thought, just for your information, that is exact. I, I was a little bit pissed off when I watched it. Hmm. Not, not for any reason other than shit. Somebody got there first. Is that's pretty much how I envisioned or half orcs. Yeah. Is the orcs in that? That's almost exactly how I envisioned elves. <laughs> it's like so many things. I'm like, oh, this. You know, the movie was meh. the mythology was fantastic. Yeah, and very sort of, you know, that world in the stuff. You know, in the time they're talking about two thousand years ago mm. is almost what I envisioned. It's, it's bad boys. You know, there's that the classic buddy cop thing or, or lethal weapon is like one person doesn't want to do the things one person really wants to do the things and the th- and things happen and mm. they figure it out mm. you know and, and it's it one of them drags it, the other yeah. yeah and they go along with it because they're partners mm. oh yeah yeah you generally started by pushing and deserve a great big woody do yeah. not wish to comment on Scott Dolwood's penis thank you very much no no I've, I picked up what you're putting down no mm. uh, yeah just like no one else <laughs> what did he put down I don't know if I want to touch it or not do I, I need to put gloves on I like how Ed, Adam oh, looks like he's about to um, get handed a beret from somewhere. 
<laughs> yes. And today, for bon petit uh, on Veterans Day, we have. <laughs> they had some sort of battle at Hogwarts. I know that. Yep. We do a podcast where I make the plot up of Harry. Harry Potter. You guys are fanboys, you and Cheryl. I'm not as much of a fanboy because this one. Did you go to the the rival? Oh god, quiz? it was so shit. It was so fucking shit. Let's let's pause here and 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 contextualize this. Adam goes to a regular Harry Potter quiz night. Fair enough. With the organisers of that quiz night, they went to a rival quiz night to check out the competition. I think that is the next level of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I realised recently that I've really gone off Emma Watson. Plays, I like that um, you approached the baby with the idea that you might not get covered in troll. Right. Um, <laughs> so that, cute. On the surface, a l- little bit worrying. It might be a bit creepy. It, it, it comes he's off a, as a little bit creepy. He's an adult now. Yeah. yeah. Does he, sort of. What? <laughs> he seems like a real stoner, basically. Yeah. He also enjoys his private zoo. I think we should play a game where I'm just carrying... My character is just carrying their baby around everywhere. That's so, Lone Wolf and Cub. <laughs> There's a baby being traumatised right now. <laughs> Might want to hurry. Somebody's getting hungry. Is it you, Dave? <laughs> Um, you should be recording all this. Yeah. This is great sound effect fodder. <laughs> sounds like a like a baby wine. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be able to sample some of it and turn it into no. like creature screams and shit. I'm gonna turn off my microphone for this. There once was a house in New Orleans. There's 25 at the Avenue. The but its postal address was actually 25 the Avenue. Alright, Dennis. Many <laughs> they don't actually name houses in New Orleans. Is Dennis not very good at soothing children? <laughs> Surprisingly. Dennis is fantastic at soothing children. <laughs> Drop straight off. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we had some... Uh, some uh, was it Iban uh, tweeted in and said... Um, the outtakes for the last episode where you're in the kitchen doing the pizza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it does sound incredibly complicated. A huge amount to do. <laughs> and then turn it widdershins. What's <laughs> the word widdershin? So. I don't know. It depends how into digging you are. Like uh, I do have some pretzel I could share with anyone who might be... Ah, the crunchiest food. Have you ever had a pretzel roll? Which yeah. is the greatest of all the pretzels. Isn't that just a... I had a Grande Big Mac. Oh, they're any good. No, it's just, it's just a Big Mac. It's slightly a little bit bigger. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Not even, like, much bigger, slightly bigger. Just, yeah, slightly. Was there, like, an extra burger in it? I, no. It's, it's no. appreciably bigger. Isn't it major- But, like, the minimum amount, so that it is appreciably. <laughs> Isn't it essentially just the girth has increased? Well, you should never complain about that. The, yeah, the girth. Oh no, maybe you should in some cases. <laughs> the girth has surprise girth yeah. enhancement could be quite upsetting. Yeah. It's it's a three decibel change. It's like three decibels is. Uh, I've had this explained to some of the noise guys at work, uh, old work, and they said three decibels is the minimum amount of change that a human being can appreciate. You can actually, you, if it's if it's two decibels change, a human being cannot um, hear it. Oh, that's weird. Mm. But why I thought it smelled like cheese? Brilliant. <laughs> you just licked my knee. <laughs> right, well, I needed to be quiet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Me and Rosa and Adrian Pimento would be the ultimate thruple. I can deal with the salmon. Garbage person. Do things. 
Do a dance. <laughs> yes, bagpipes are a common occurrence in the British household. <laughs>